does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. It is a Friday. Happy Friday to you. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It is 93.5107.5. The fan getting set for the weekend. And, you know, Kev, sometimes we do this first thing in the morning for people that are just getting up. But uh, not a bad drive in. Not near as foggy as yesterday, right? Good morning to you. Yeah, I thought it was a decent morning driving in. I feel like this is the... uh I, I do think there are some rain chances, by the way, in the forecast, but nothing so far. I do think this is like the the last kind of quiet weekend, or maybe the, the, the quiet weekend in between the massive holidays. Um, once you get into next weekend, December 17th, I guess will be Saturday, I feel like you start to get into some Christmas-type stuff or holiday-type stuff. Um, you know, school gets let out for some children. You know, Last weekend, maybe you're still... Kind of clinging to Thanksgiving the weekend before. And this is kind of a quiet, maybe just because there's no college football outside of Army-Navy, but it's kind of a quiet Saturday in the sports world, at least what we've been used to for the past couple of months. But still a whole lot to get to on today's show. Good Friday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh, how about these primetime games we've had this week? Don't, don't go to bed with four minutes to go in the game? Listen... That was not a sexy matchup last night, but that was a good game, right? Well, until the end, it was a good game. <laughs> what? What's your What's your beef? I mean, it was it was it was pretty boring until three minutes ago in the game. Well, no, and that's when things took off. Right, right. Uh, Rams come back behind Baker Mayfield. They beat the Raiders seventeen sixteen, which ironically enough is the same exact outcome you had Monday night. With the Saints leading the Bucks late, Tom Brady leads a couple of late touchdown drives, some stupid penalties by both of the losing teams. Uh, is there a dumber team in the NFL than the Las Vegas Raiders? That's your Super Bowl team, man. <laughs> yeah, have some pride. Oh, I, it, can we mention the Cowboys too? You guys are quick quick to point out the Raiders. What about the Cowboys? Cowboys are playing pretty good football. Jack with you today. Actually. Are the Kevin, Raiders the best 5-8 and eight football team ever? The most talented 5-8 and eight football team ever? I'll be honest. Two things. Number one, I was almost surprised when I saw 5-8. and eight. I'm like, it doesn't seem like they've won five games. The Cowboys are interesting because I, I think when you look at the NFC, this year the storylines in the NFC have been tons of storylines about like it, the NFC has been talked more about who's not playing well. You know, what happened to the Rams? Are the How did the Cardinals underachieve like this? And then, of course, the story of Philly playing well. But nobody's talking about Dallas. And Dallas, Kevin, might be the most complete team in the – I mean, Philly's really good. Don't get me wrong. But Dallas has some weapons, man. I mean, like no one's talking if – I'm, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I'm probably the most comfortable heading into the home stretch here of anybody because I'm kind of off radar, but I'm really good. Yeah, the issue is you got to go on the road right away, though. In the postseason. You know, the fact that Philly leads that division at Tampa is where they would start the postseason. Last night, it was a 98-yard drive with no timeouts from Baker Mayfield. It's the longest go-ahead touchdown drive the NFL has seen in the final two minutes in 45 years. 
You know what, man? You got to be happy for Baker Mayfield. I mean, I know that he's kind of, at, at times, he's... I feel like I saw that sentiment all over NFL social media last night. I'm like, where was this like 24 hours ago? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I just think How did that, Baker Mayfield go from villain to hero that quickly? Well, I think part of it, Kevin, is that... Look, he was a, a pretty cocky SOB in college, right? But that's that was his moxie. That was his, that was his brand that lifted him like... He was the tenacious little bulldog that that wasn't going to give in, and people liked that, right? He was the underdog story to an extent. And then when he got to Cleveland, he kind of had that same swagger, but unfortunately, you know, once he just he wasn't playing as well, and it went away, then the swagger became okay. You know, everybody loves a redemption story, so Carolina was going to be his chance for a redemption story, and I think most people felt like Carolina bailed on him before he bailed on Carolina. And that makes you always, you know, kind of a, a sympathetic figure that people want to rally behind. Uh, I'm not saying people necessarily want to rally behind him, but you have to, <coughs> you have to give credit for the fact that, I mean, that's pretty impressive to just walk in off the street. Sure. Yeah, that was wild last night. Watching again the end of that game, the Raiders had a chance on a third and one to potentially ice it. They get stuffed. Great punt down to the two yard line. Less than two minutes to go, and just. Dumb penalties in the final drive. Baker Mayfield with some big-time throws. Ben Skoranek, the Fort Wayne native. Uh, he had a couple of huge catches there. And the Rams score. Kick the extra point. Just like Monday night, 17-16. That finale, which I feel like that score has been popular for the Colts this year. Not a scoregami. No, no. <laughs> Definitely the under, that. too. Yeah, big time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Raiders favored by six in that one. That was good news for the Colts. Puts the Rams at uh, four and nine. They've got the fourth pick right now, which will go to Detroit. So you've got the Rams and Saints at four and nine. Panthers, Jags, Cardinals, all at four and eight. And then the Colts sit there with the ninth overall pick. So those are the teams to root for this weekend. If you are a Colts fan, Panthers, Jags, Cardinals. That buy is gonna, or that 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 tie is gonna do them, and I feel like it's gonna cost them a couple spots. So if that tie were to be a loss right now, Mark, they'd have either the fourth or fifth pick. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Boy, that stings. You guys sound better, both of you. Thank you. Yeah. You feel better. Yeah. I really feel fine. It's just the more I talk, the more I cough. <laughs> that sounds like a. Which Maddie loves. She's just like, okay, well then, just don't talk. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you guys circle? I don't know about Circle, but Army-Navy always falls in my viewership schedule. Absolutely, absolutely love it. I have said... And I mean like 2.45 tomorrow. It's a a 3 o'clock kick. You got to get in front of the TV at 2.45. I totally agree. And it's always... The thing I love about the Army-Navy game, it's... (laughs) There are two things... Boy, it's so funny you mentioned that, Kevin. Two things to me really mean that like the holiday season and like Christmas shopping and wrapping is upon us. And one of them used to be the in, the start of it was the Indiana Kentucky game, which I know they don't do anymore. Yeah, it used to be this Saturday. And then the second was the Army Navy game, and it's always a day like what looked like yesterday. It's always like a misty kind of gray. Oh yeah, day in Philly. Um, I have been very fortunate, as I know you guys have as well, but I have been extremely fortunate in my lifetime to have attended basically every sporting event on the bucket list, at least in the U.S., that that one could want to attend. The onlys that I've missed, the only, 
two that I, I guess I should say that I've missed. The Kentucky Derby, because it's in the month of May and it's the many every year, and I'm not going to miss the many. And then the other one, quite frankly, the Army-Navy game. I would, yeah. My buddy Michael Weir and I have said forever that we are one of these days we are going to pack up and go to the Army-Navy game. I would love, love, love to go to the Army-Navy game. A former coworker of mine messaged me a few weeks back and said he was going, he, and he knew how it's kind of on my sports bucket list. Um, it is at Lincoln Financial Field again this this year, so that's where the Eagles play. Um, you have two teams right now, and it's pretty rare. I feel like we haven't seen this in a while, but neither Navy nor Army have clinched a spot in a bowl game. Army can do that with a win. You want to talk about over-unders, that's always one of my favorites to see. Uh, any guesses to the Army-Navy over-under? Boy, I'm not familiar with really what either team is doing this year, but... Um, well, we know they don't throw the football. Yeah, I mean... I want to say I, the last I saw was like low 30s. I, I'll say 37 and a half. The old 32 and a half over under. <laughs> Nothing like 17, 14. Now, do you have Army, one? That, Navy do you have one that you root for? I probably have sided a little bit more with Navy, I, I, uh, but I, I've I, been to West Point and it is absolutely beautiful. I, I tend to agree. There's something about Navy to me that is just a little like. Cooler is the wrong word because they're both very cool in their own right, but just their uniforms, maybe something yeah. about it, like you know the, the the color. Obviously, I've got a guy that lives down the street from me a little bit. Um, I've just kind of seen his house when I've been walking with the kids, and uh, it's always really flown all football season, especially go army beat navy. And I want to just see him in his front yard one time and yell that at him. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll try and play on the walk tomorrow morning around his house, and hopefully he'll be out there. You know, who is Air Force's rival? Air Force has beat both these teams this I, season. Yeah, no, I, I feel it, like they're a little bit of the... Air Force has been like a really good football program, but... They're like the stepchild in a way with Yeah, this. I mean, like Air Force, is, Air Force is probably like, all right, you guys go ahead. Like, we'll just be rivals with Colorado State, you know, or whoever it might be. But it is, I I, I 1,000% agree with you. Um, in terms of the weekend, what do you guys got brewing? Mark? Not a whole lot. I mean, my... my uh Sister-in-law is coming up from Florida, so we're going to fly out or fly. We're going to drive up to uh, Northwest Indiana and see them for a little bit, and then we'll be back Sunday for football. So that's all we got in the pot. We um, Rosie's daycare—they're doing like a little Santa breakfast tomorrow, so we got that on the agenda. We we like to stay away from Santa, though. We we, we usually stay a good ten feet away from Mister Kringle. Mister Kringle. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even really wave at him, to be honest with you. We just stare. Tonight, by the way. Uh, I'm actually excited about this because I haven't been, and no reason why I haven't, because I do enjoy going to them. Going to the Fuel game tonight. There we Andy go. Andy Fuel uh, at the Coliseum. And you doing a puck drop? You driving the Zamboni? Well, what I'm doing is they are partnered tonight with Community Health Network, which is the hospital where I went when I had my heart attack, and they are having basically a cardiology awareness night, essentially, for lack of a better phrase, trying to uh, make people aware of the importance of just a $49, I think is the price, heart scan to be preventative. This time of year, apparently, the last three weeks of December are apparently, according to the American Heart Association, I believe they told me this, uh, more heart attacks happen in the next month than any other period of the year, presumably because people are shoveling snow and things like that. but at any rate, so they they asked if I would come out and just say a few words to try to you know let people know the most important things that are if you if you do have a heart attack to immediately address your symptoms 
and get to the closest hospital. I was very fortunate that for me it was community because uh, Mottman and the crew were fabulous. But so when they've asked me to to try to help raise awareness, I'm like, well, of course. So uh, we're doing that tonight. But but I love going to the fuel games. Yeah, I just think it's fun, man. Yeah, we went they do uh, a great job for kids with nitro. I just think it's fun, and I love the Coliseum. It's great. Um, so yeah, that'll be a fun night. Bankers Life Fieldhouse or Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I should say, back in action for Pacers games. It's been two full weeks. Pretty rare length of break here during the NBA season, but the Pacers back in action tonight. The Wizards, no Bradley Beal. Uh, Chris Porzingis, certainly the Wizards' best player right now without Bradley Beal. Uh, Pacers are favored by four and a half tonight, so it'll be the Wizards. Tomorrow night, you get the Nets. Monday, the Heat, and Wednesday, the Warriors. Four straight at home, and really four I guess the Wizards don't qualify, but the other three opponents, um, you've got some marquee names um, for those. So I'm really, I'm kind of eager to watch the Pacers over the next couple of weeks, Jake, because I think now we're going to get kind of, we're going to get the the truest gauge we've gotten this season on Indiana. You know, the first 10 or 15 games, no one took you seriously. You just snuck up on everybody. Right. The schedule benefited you. You know, the rookies weren't on the scouting report, all those things. You go out west, you get hit in the face, the schedule's tougher, it's probably almost too daunting with how long that western trip was, now you're back at home, the schedule's got a little bit of a normal flow to it here over the next month or so, Uh, we'll have Jeremiah Johnson on in a little over an hour to talk more about this, but I think we'll get a truer gauge on Indiana, now 25 games in the season here coming up. You know, I do think, Kevin... Between Indiana and Purdue, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, I just have this feeling. I have a feeling that Purdue's going to have the better regular season, maybe even the better Big Ten season, but that Indiana will have the better run in the tournament. Really? Why is that? Because because Indiana, I think, is going... And I'm not saying Purdue doesn't do this, but Indiana, I think, plays in a style that is more has a little more flexibility of teams that it can beat. I know that sounds weird, but what I'm getting at is Indiana can really guard you. Now Indiana's going to be very dependent upon Xavier Johnson's outside, you know, he's got to be playing well, but but Indiana can really guard you. And I think that they're going to win a lot of games just based on the the defensive pressure they put on teams. And in the NCAA tournament, when you have a quick turnaround and you're playing teams two days later and the scouting is not as prevalent and it just comes down to doing what you do, I think Indiana has their the style of play of who they're going up against is less relevant because with the way they guard, they can guard multiple styles. Purdue, on the other hand, and I think Purdue is tremendous. And... <laughs> I absolutely think the world of Matt Painter and Elliot Bloom and the whole staff there. And I think their roster is tremendous. But good guard play wins you wins for you in March. They have good guard play, but it is young guard play. And that might be uh, just like Indiana, the ability for like a, a Xavier Johnson to disappear one game. Purdue may have that in March, not to, dis, to slight either of those guys that have been tremendous. But um, I just think that Purdue – they're very reliant on Edie, and that is very, very apparent. And if a team comes in and they've only got two days to turn around, it's an easier scouting report, I think. I, Ooh, see, I just think you can't replicate Zach Edie in practice. Well, I, there's a lot of truth to that, for sure. A lot of truth to that. 
Um, but I, but some what big I'm, games for both these teams. Yeah, I think it's. Gr- I, I I am absolutely thrilled and optimistic for the college basketball season, though, Kevin. That we're going to have not one but two teams yeah. that are going to be possibly the top two in the Big Ten. I was looking up the other day. I think the last time, Jake, I believe. I think it's the stat. In the last 25 years, Purdue and Indiana have been both ranked playing each other, I want to say, only once, maybe twice. In the last 25 years. And if you look at the schedule coming up in February, it's unusual. They both play on Saturdays. Both matchups are on Saturdays. That's a bit unusual for what we've been used to with these matchups. And again, if both those matchups can include them ranked, it'll be very rare uh, Purdue is at Nebraska tomorrow. Obviously, we know what happened last year. Purdue's first Big Ten road game at Rutgers. Ron Harper doing what Ron Harper did to pretty much every team in the state. Almost as it's another name, too, in the tournament last year. Um, we saw Purdue struggle down in Tallahassee last week in their first true road game. So, uh be important for Purdue to kind of hold serve with what on paper will be one of your easier Big Ten road games get to 2-0 in the conference, and then take a big break for the Big Ten. And then tomorrow night, um, you got anybody out in Vegas for Indiana, Arizona? Uh, Rob Whitaker, my buddy Rob Whitaker that I grew up with, um, said yesterday that he's taking the whole family out there. He said it took like an hour and a half to corral everybody together to get to the airport. But uh, he, amongst others, I would think, are going out. I mean, I'm sure there are others I know, but he was um, mentioned yesterday. That would be a cool trip, right? Yeah, uh-huh. 7.30 tip tomorrow night at 7.30 Eastern. Uh, IU and Arizona. We'll see about Jalen Hood, Shafino again. It's been bad Xavier Johnson the last couple nights. You can't have that in Vegas for more reasons than one. <laughs> have you ever had a bad night in Vegas? Does anyone ever truly have a good night in Vegas? What's your, okay, how many times have you been to Vegas? Uh, just I, honestly, just once for a uh, for a bachelor party. Mark, how many times have you been to Vegas? Twice. Okay. What is the maximum number of nights you would do in Vegas? Three. I think three is fair. I think the ideal would be two, like, the night you arrive, I guess, are we counting the night you arrive, I, no. I guess? Okay, we're not counting, so two full days, right? Yeah. But the key is, you get on that early Thursday or Friday morning right. flight, and you land there, and it's the crack of dawn, and by noon, it's over. Like, just take a nap and, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and wake up tomorrow. Yeah. Well, because then you try and string together some twenty-two hour day, and Vegas always wins. The thing about Vegas to me, and it is now a couple of things here. Number one, and I understand why they did it, but now they have all of the walkways. When you try to walk the strip, you know you got to walk, and then you got to go over into the other side of the street and walk, and it kind of zigzag it type thing. A lot of walking over big walk bridges, but you. If you've been to Vegas and you go into one casino, you kind of been to them all, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, whichever one you're staying at, oftentimes, you, you know, you walk around and maybe you find another one across the street or whatever else. But I just feel like in Las Vegas, and I know this sounds ridiculous because there are a billion things to do, but they're all kind of of the same variety. I know that sounds crazy, but it, it's kind of like if you've seen one day, you've seen three, right? So after a couple of days, you're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. A three is the max, I'd say. Before you get out of there, I love any longer they, and you're in trouble. I love that they're doing this game. I think it's kind of a cool little neutral court game. Obviously, uh, I, I probably shouldn't say. I, I think there'll be a ton of IU fans there. Oh no, I think there will be. I 
it's a here's the thing, and this is what I applaud Indiana for, and I'm I'm happy to see. You know, I always think about Selection Sunday when they put up on the board on on television when they put up on the television screen. You know, good wins, quality wins, whatever. There are a lot of games, Kevin, that, that you can play this time of year. That if you if you win, they go into a really nice bank for you. And if you lose, it's not a huge demerit to you. I mean, if you lose to Arizona on a neutral court, assuming that Arizona, you know, has a the season as expected. Yeah. Okay. But if you win that, I mean, that's a pretty nice little reserve in your bank, right? Oh, definitely. And and I just always felt like instead of playing, and that was kind of my complaint in the Tom Crean era to be frank, was, you know, they didn't play anybody away from home in the pre-conference, and then I think they just would get shell-shocked a little bit. Sure, it's great to play Eastern Washington at home and be able to get your guys some run. I You know, that kind of thing. I get it. But I do think that having four or five games, I've always said Indiana should just do home-and-homes every year with, you know, programs like an Iowa State or, or, or something like that. You know what I mean? Or just, just ran, you know, Missouri they had one with, which was a good deal. So, you know, I like that kind of stuff. Um, um, anything on the Mike Babinski front, Jake, that stood out to you yesterday as Purdue continues their search? For yeah, the I know coach? that they, um, you know, obviously Mike Babinski addressed the media, talked about, you know, Jeff Brom's departure. Um, I do, I have no idea how, how valid this is. But people I know that are pretty tied in with Purdue say that they think that and I'm going to mispronounce his name, so I apologize, Kevin, but the guy that was just the interim at Wisconsin. Jim Leonard? Who, I always think it's Linhard, but because there's an H in there, I think. But yes, apparently that there are those that believe that he might be the front runner. Um, I think Purdue probably knows that they need to get somebody in as soon as possible just because of the they want to address. The, and that's the unfortunate reality of coaching changes that are made at this point in 2022 you know you got to deal with the transfer portal and not only who's who you're going to go out and recruit off of the portal but who you're going to try to retain within your own program i mean etc etc right so a lot of things that go into it but um you know jeff brom leaves purdue in a better situation than when he walked in as we have said and so i think that whoever they get they have a chance to to maintain a decent level of play yeah we'll uh, play some of that audio here coming up in a few minutes uh, December 21st, that is the early signing period. That's where it begins. So, you know, you've got about a 10-day period here where, uh, I mean, the sense of urgency is high because the transfer portal is ongoing, uh, but that early signing period is that big date on that front. So we'll see how Purdue handles things again at Nebraska for them on the basketball court coming up this weekend. I saw um, some IndyCar news yesterday, Jake, with a docu-series. Yeah, they're going to do. Um, I, I think that you know IndyCar was working hard on this because of Netflix and the popularity of Formula One through Netflix. So IndyCar in May will be there will be a docu series that's going to be done leading up to the Indianapolis 500 that will air on the CW network and then on Vice. Now Vice is a streaming network, right? Yeah, I think I saw the press release like CW is available in like seventy percent of U.S. households. Households. That's pretty good. Yeah. You and know, this sounds like a little bit more of a hard knocks feel, like tell the story as it goes and less of a correct. get to the end of the season and recap everything like Formula correct. Formula One. I think it's going to be not on, you know, the, what is it, Drive to Survive, is that the Formula One? Yeah, and that's a little bit more of like 
get to the end of the year, then recap. This is a little bit more. Let's tell as, as we go, happens, right. leading into the five hundred. Um, you're you're gonna have to have. I mean, your fingerprints will be all over that, right? I don't know. Will they? I mean, after <laughs> they saw what you did on Hard Knocks, that's a good point. Well, I saw that Steve Shunk, uh, who I thought was a buddy of mine, and you know the PR, he's the PR rep for Borg Warner and a great dude. He sent a tweet mm. yesterday that was like, "Who would you most want to narrate this?" And he listed like fifty six names. I think he had like like Chris Akatamaki's name on there, who hasn't been with us for like ten years, and he didn't include me. And I'm like, okay, oh well, maybe not enough characters. <laughs> Yes. Well, there are plenty of characters he listed. Trust me, right? Uh, this one in our hearts, fifty sixth on our. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This. right. this from my buddy Chiefs fan Steve. You guys are slackers. We were just in Vegas this September for nine days. Oh my yeah, Tony Cole said you have to spend at least a week there. He's Whoa. Like, There's so much to do. <laughs> what? <laughs> Steve, man, that's a he's, Steve is a professional. Hell nine yeah, nine days in Vegas. Yeah. Well, the thing that my biggest concern about Steve and Brenda going to Vegas for nine days is they their dog Milton is the coolest dog ever, and they didn't ask me to dog sit for nine days. I'd have taken Milton. Milton and I just would have been running around town like a couple homies, man. What are the things you come back with after nine days in Vegas? <laughs> oh, I can tell you. <laughs> Sounds a lot like what you have for the last Some things week, are with right? you for life. <laughs> yeah. We thought COVID was bad. Wait till you spend nine days in Vegas. <laughs> gift that keeps on giving, yeah. right? Boy, prayers out there to everybody. Patrick wanted to know if that IU game is going to happen in, in a ballroom in Vegas or if it's actually going to be at <laughs> that, an arena. That's right. Yeah. Like the women's tournament, right? I believe yeah. at, what is it, T-something or other, T-Mobile? Is it T-Mobile? T-Mobile Arena. I believe that's where it is. A World Cup back in action today. Quarterfinals, Croatia, Brazil at 10, Netherlands, Argentina at 2. So I feel like we're getting into some pretty marquee matchups there from Qatar. Good Friday morning to you, Kevin and Query. Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton, and Jake Query here. 93.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Thursday night football last night, just wild finish. Uh, first 55 minutes, pretty boring, but a 98-yard drive led by Baker Mayfield with no timeouts. They score a touchdown with, what was it, like 20 seconds to go? Something around yeah, it was, there? I maybe, mean, maybe less than that, I think it was actually. nine seconds. Was it, was it that? I, yeah. I guess they did have that play where they had a run clock. They got tackled in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. had a run clock. Um, Van Jefferson on the touchdown there, 17-16. The Rams come back to beat the Raiders. So the Monday night game this week and the Thursday night game, both of those games, you had the Saints and the Raiders leading 16-3 to with three minutes and 30 seconds to go, and both of those teams lost 17-16. to I'm a fan of this guy, but can we discuss Derek Carr's evening? Uh, horrific. I started him in fantasy. Whoa. Did you really? Whoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. I beat who's the guy that um Eddie. Yeah, I beat him this week, by the way. Good. He's on a bit of a losing streak now. Well he Do you think they should have a um you guys should have a draft for Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and Max Crosby to go play on a playoff team? <laughs> Josh Jacobs in particular, man, you feel bad for him, right? How about the catch Adams out of that opening drive? Oh my god. He does that every week. Did you see the still image of like Jalen Ramsey's yeah. hand is like in his face, and he still made that one-handed grab. Absolutely 
absurd there. So, yes, the Rams beat the Raiders last night on Thursday Night Football. Uh, last night in the association, it was the Heat over the Clippers, 115-110. to Paul George did have 29-8-7 assists for the Clips. Bam Adebayo, 31-10 for Miami. It was the Spurs over the Rockets, 118-109. I did notice, notice Romeo Langford in double digits in that game, by the way. Really? Uh, yep, Nuggets over the Blazers, 121-120. to uh, tonight, Damian Lillard with, in 40, with 40 in that game, by the way. Uh, tonight at the Fieldhouse, it'll be the Pacers, it'll be the Washington Wizards, and then tomorrow night, Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets, along with Kyrie Irving, I guess, for that matter, will be here to take on the Pacers. Getting no Bradley Field tonight for the Wizards. Looking ahead to college basketball this weekend. Purdue, their first Big Ten road game. That's at Nebraska. Indiana heads out to the city of Sin. That would be... Of course, Las Vegas take on Arizona, 7.30 tip tomorrow night. Arizona's had a very similar start to the season as Indiana. They did win the Maui tournament. Uh, didn't have a ton of marquee wins out there, uh, but still, they won that. They did lose at Utah, their first Big Ten, or uh, Pac-12, I should say, road game on that front. Uh, in college football, Heisman Trophy ceremony tomorrow night. Uh, and tomorrow, Army versus Navy. That is a 3 o'clock kick, one of my favorite sporting events of the year. I think a slight favorite to the midshipmen. If you one. are not a fan of the football game itself between Army and Navy, I don't know why you wouldn't be. But if you forget about the fact that the game's on or whatever it may be, you owe it to yourself as a sports fan, as an American, to watch after the game when both teams like sing their song and do um, pay homage to their respective academies. Yes. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It is a great tradition in sports. Quite the scene. Uh, we come back here on Kevin Quarry. By the way, we're going to talk a little NFL. What was that, Mark? Going to break. Got a swish. <laughs> we're going to talk a little NFL draft coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst. Uh, try to get a little bit more into draft mode. Not not too much. But I think every couple weeks uh, we'll try to get some insight onto this 2023 draft class. We'll also play some of that audio. Mike Babinski, Purdue Athletic Director, and a little bit of Jeff Brom audio from his introductory presser yesterday at Louisville. Kevin Aquari on a Friday. Good Friday morning to you. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin Aquari on this Sounds like, unfortunately, a bit of a rainy Friday. Not raining right now, but it does seem like some rain is in the forecast um, on this Friday morning. Obviously, a lot of news. West Lafayette, Louisville-related yesterday. Jeff Brom, that announcement in his introductory press conference. And then Mike Babinski, the Purdue Athletic Director. A little bit of a State of the Union for where Purdue is at right now in this head coaching search. Again, Brian Brom will be the interim uh, Babitsky confirmed yesterday that three assistants have already left for Louisville. Ron English, their co-defensive coordinator. I think the other two are the running backs coach and the wideouts coach. Certainly, you would expect a few more to head down there. Uh, Mark, if you want to queue up that kind of the candidate pool clip from Mike Babinski yesterday. Again, it's a much different, I think, hiring process for him this time around than it was when Jeff Brown was hired after Daryl Hazel back in I guess it would have been six years ago. Here is Babinski yesterday on uh, the pool candidates. You know, I think the criteria is similar. I, I think perhaps the uh, 
the, the candidate pool may be different this time around. You know, I think we'll, we'll be able to attract uh, the interest of, of folks that maybe are, uh, you know, across the board, a, a deeper and, and, and higher quality pool than perhaps we were able to get in 2016. We had really good people in there, and we hired a really good coach. Uh, but I think we may have more of that to be able to select from this time around, and that's, that's a result of where, where we've come. Jake, how much of that is what he just said right there, a result of where Purdue is at, and credit to Jeff Brom for getting them there? And how much of that is how the Big Ten is now viewed in the college football world? Yeah, that latter part is really important, Kevin, to take nothing away because I do think that 70% of that is the fact that this is a different Purdue job than it was, and credit to Jeff Brom there. But you are correct. Listen, the the landscape of college football – this is not, folks, your dad's college football era, you know, or, or or mine for that matter. I had a long talk last night with a, a buddy of mine. Hell, just your older siblings. Just about, yeah. Football. I mean, it, it is constantly changing. And the Big Ten, what's fascinating about the Big Ten, Kevin, is if you go back historically, you know, the Big Ten became the forefront conference, the, the foremost conference, because of having the vision initially of the Big Ten Network. I mean, that changed everything. They were the first ones to do it. They got on more cable networks than anybody else, and the money started rolling in. And all of a sudden, the Big Ten, sure, the SEC probably had teams that were more that were going to, to college football championship games more often, whatever you want to say, but but the Big Ten had more financial balance because of the Big Ten network, and they've kind of always been ahead of the curve and where things are going. And that includes the the merger into these super conferences, if you will, bringing in UCLA and USC. Then, as we talked about with Jeff Smolian, I do think eventually there is the possibility, let's say that for now, of Notre Dame and Stanford and then perhaps Washington and Oregon joining and that rounding you out to where you have a super conference and they're the first big super conference. And I think, and from a money standpoint, that's the television revenue and everything else that's going to come with that is going to be massive. And I do think that coaches know that and are aware of the fact that eventually there are going to be two 20-team conferences, and you want to be in one of those two. And Purdue is and will be, and that's a, a huge thing to be able to sell. The other is the fact that you are walking into a program now that is coming off of a Big Ten championship game appearance, national television, um, you know, has has a little more sexiness than it did a handful of years ago. Now, among those in that pool, like I said, I, I was told yesterday that I don't know that anybody knows this, but but people that I think are in the know that Jim Leonard, the coordinator, defensive coordinator for Wisconsin, who served as their interim, went four and three with the Badgers and will not be retained by Luke Fickle's staff. I don't know whether that was Fickle's decision or his. I don't know. Um, but that there is interest in him. I also think that Tyson Helton out of Western Kentucky, which is kind of Jeff Brom light. Yeah, very cookie-cutter hire to Brom. Correct. That, that, that he is also one um, that will be... Little bro- brother of Clay Helton, if they remember the USC head coach from a few years ago. And then the other one that I had not heard this, but but you know apparently it's it's a name that has been thrown around, and, and I guess it makes sense because another guy 
I believe with Midwestern ties. I could be wrong on that. Uh, Todd Monken, who is the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Georgia, I think is... Who's got some Midwest ties, right? That's what I mean, yeah. So, you know, I guess the question becomes, Kevin, do you want to take... Do you go out and get a guy who it's going to be his first head coaching job, or do you get somebody who is an established head coach that knows the, the any more... You know, in college football now... I feel like you almost need a guy that is a CEO type. And by that, I mean can can delegate responsibilities to multiple areas and multiple people. Because now not only do you have like a recruiting coordinator, you almost need a second recruiting coordinator just for the portal. And I know that sounds crazy. But you need somebody who not only is recruiting high school athletes and is out on the road doing that. multiple portal people. Right. You need someone that that is able to scout other teams all the time to find out who's available via the transfer portal. You somebody that is working with your own players to prohibit them from going into the transfer portal. I mean, it, somebody to oversee probably your NIL stuff and have a grasp on that. I mean, this is the wild wild west, man. And there are a lot of so I, I do think that Purdue is probably in an advantageous situation. Because they're going to be able to, as literally the college football landscape looks different today than it did one year ago, Purdue now, as this thing changes, are going to be able to update or refresh. I'm not saying Jeff Brom wasn't a guy that that had his handle on that kind of stuff, but they're going to be able to go out and now hire a guy and be able to say, these are the new concerns that a coach has. And they're able to reset, whereas other programs may have, Clemson comes to mind, for example. Dabo Sweeney's a heck of a football coach, but in terms of the transfer portal and NIL and things like that, I think he's a little behind the times, quite frankly, and I think you've seen it. Yeah, I would love to see Purdue give Dave Clawson a call at Wake Forest. I think that's a really similar program within the ACC that is a great offensive football team that would certainly kind of maintain the entertainment value that Purdue has provided their fan base. Uh, you know, the, the concern over a Leonard, the concern over Helton, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but do those guys just view this job as just a stepping stone? You know, are they the young coaches that look at it and think, okay, I'm right here right now, like in Helton's case, okay, I'm here in the wherever Western Kentucky is, Conference USA, I, I don't even know what their affiliation is right now. And now it's, let's go to a mid-level Big Ten team, and then let's have success there, and then let's go even higher right, right. on the ladder. And I don't know, maybe everybody views Purdue like that. Um, I, I tend to think, can you find a little bit more of an established head coach, a little bit on the older side, but maybe they look at Purdue as, hey, I you know, I, I just... I want to coach in the Big Ten, and I feel like Purdue's on pretty solid ground, and I feel like I can go there and have a Wisconsin-type nine-win yeah. sort of annual basis and do that for eight to ten years. Again, the guy it, that I love is... Probably wishful thinking, but... To your point about Wake Forest... That's I've, what I would I've actually for. seen Wake Forest play... I've seen them play Clemson in, in Clemson... They're highly entertaining. times. They're not only that, but the thing that I, res- that I really respect about Wake Forest... Um, and Tony, my buddy and I, when we're in the stands watching the games, have said this to each other several times. They play above their weight. You know what I mean? Like they, I don't know that they're necessarily going out and getting top flight recruiting talent all the time, but they are really well coached. Yeah. I mean, they, they they kind of force you into mistakes. I like the way Wake Forest plays. The other guy that I really like out of that same conference that I've mentioned before is Dave Doran at North Carolina State. 
because I think he's kind of off the radar, built something really good in North Carolina State, averaging about nine wins a year the last handful of years, going to a bowl game every year. Um, and that I, I look at NC State as, as a Purdue level in terms of facilities and everything else. I have no idea what he's making at NC State, but he I, he's another guy that has Midwestern ties. He did good things at Northern Illinois. Yeah, I, I like him. As does Clawson. And again, he's a guy that I would make say no um, to us before kind of moving on. Do you find this odd at all that since 2015, Jake, we've had four coaches win a national title? Obviously, your guy, Dabo. Obviously, Nick Saban. We had Kirby Smart win one right here in Indy last year. The fourth guy on that list, its name does not get rumored at all for any of this stuff. Now, say the 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 category again. National championship head coach. Mm-hmm. Since 2015, we've had four of them. Dabo okay. and Saban. Yep. Kirby. Yep. But the guy with the funny voice. Ed O'Ron. Doesn't get mentioned at all. Now, why, where, why is that? Like, in all seriousness, and I get that, you know, maybe his style doesn't fit out of Purdue, but why doesn't he get rumored for any of it? Like, why wasn't he a name for Auburn? It's a really good question. I think that there are two things that come into play. I think he's very well liked, right, as a guy. But just do people think he's like a circus act? Yes. I think that. Cartoon character? I think that Ed Orgeron's. This is totally unfair, but I think that his voice and his physical stature kind of make him a caricature. Where he's taken, like, I think that a lot of people see him as just kind of a... But isn't that, like, so fourth grade of us? It is, but I also, now I did hear this. I have no idea if there's a factor. But I know that there were, like, he was apparently a guy, not in a bad way. I mean, I think he's a very likable guy. But towards the end there, when he was at LSU, I think there were some, you know, photos that surfaced of he and his wife in bed together and like after a night of partying and it just kind of stuff that you're like, I don't know, is this who I want leading like Sounds a bunch like a of pre wreck for an SEC job, to be honest with you. Woo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um I, again, nothing like overly egregious, but just kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Like this this dude looks like maybe like Bourbon Street is kind of his style, you know. I mean I, Again, I want to be clear that what I'm saying here, I'm not accusing him of any wrongdoing at all, but just kind of just a fun-loving dude, right? And I don't know. I do think that for whatever reason, he has seen... It's just odd to me, Jake. Like, I, I, Here's the other thing, Kevin. <coughs> to your point, when when you are a head coach of a team that wins the national championship in arguably like the most dominant two-month run in college football of the last 20 years. I mean, they didn't just win the national championship. They blew people off the field. They were unstoppable. And he was the head coach of it, and yet he was out of a job within three years of that. Doesn't that raise a red flag somewhere of like, well, what happened there? Yeah, I, yeah, a, a bit. I mean, LSU does seem to have a, tr- a bit of a churn and burn down there. Um, but I, I, I don't know. It just seems a bit odd to me that you see some of these coaching resumes and the guy that won a national title less than three years ago, and players seem to adore him. When you were in co- when you were in high school, when you were in high school and you applied to colleges, you obviously applied to Indiana because you ended up in Indiana. <laughs> How many schools did you apply to? 
think five. Missouri, Ball State, Butler, Notre Dame, Indiana. What was your safety school? Um, God, I wish. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I had any like fallback fallback, but you know they tell you when that you're in high school. Yeah. There's a, you know, apply to one school that you're sure you will get in, so that if you don't get into the others, like you you would be okay going to that school. Yeah. You'd be okay with it. Um, yeah, probably. Again, this sounds like a slap in the face of the two schools, but probably like a Butler or Ball State. I was fortunate to get into. The other four besides, of course. I feel like Kevin Sumlin has produced safety school. Yeah. I feel like for his name to get traction, Jake, that would have to be very Drew Brees related, very ex-player related. Well, he's a guy that has extensive coaching background at big-time schools that has had some success, and he's a Purdue guy with roots. So you kind of feel like if you go out and if, it, it, oh my gosh, everything else is like, people have turned us down. You know, Kalen DeBoer at Washington didn't want to come here. Or Dave Doran or Leonard or Helton or whoever it may be. We got Kevin Sumlin still, you know, and, and he would be a fine hire. He would be a perfectly good hire, but I don't know that he is the first choice, first wave hire. Yeah, but a good coach. Very interested to see from a resource standpoint, Purdue is paying Jeff Brown pretty healthy. Um, bless you. So Thank you. I, I don't think that will be an issue. On that front. Again, we're going to talk a little NFL draft coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Jeremiah Johnson joins us around 8.30 with the Pacers. Finally back at home after one of the longest road trips in franchise history. Kevin Aquari here on a Friday. 8 o'clock. Technically two minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock in Indianapolis. Good morning to you on a Friday. Hope you are set for a fantastic weekend. Jake Query here along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton. It's Kevin and Query. And, and let me tell you something. They had like two months worth of meetings to come up with that name. On 93.5107.5, the fan. Kevin, um, one of the classes that I, I'm finishing right now that I've really enjoyed actually. Uh, clearly, got to be close to finals, right? Finals week? I have a final on two, algebra final on Tuesday. Here we go. Oh, boy, that's a big one. A <laughs> 250-point final, buddy. Now, will the tutor be present? Um, the you tutor, the you tutor, can no comment if you the want The tutor to. will be present, but it is prompted. So, like, I have to actually be the one taking the exam. They can they can see that I'm taking it. Interesting. The tutor might be there to, like, give a nudge, like, no, nah, redirect, mm-hmm. redirect. Sure. I think I told you the fascinating thing to me with algebra is that I can look at the problem forever, and I would actually, you know what, if you have a child, and we'll get into sports here, there was a point I was going to make, but if you do have a child who is struggling with math and algebra, which I have my entire life, um, I've never passed an algebra class, but I now have a tutor, and I'm, I mean, I'm up to probably, I don't know, nine hours a week of algebra stuff and trying to, to learn it, but... One of the things that, that I have learned, or that we learned, I think, is that oftentimes the problem, if it is read to me, then I can I will say, what are they asking me? Well, Jake, what they're saying is that you need to find out this. Okay, that I can do. But for whatever reason, my brain doesn't process the language of what's in front of me, and it has to be verbalized to me. That's the one thing I've learned in this process. But one of the classes that, that I've taken, which I really enjoyed was American sports history and culture, which sounds like, oh, well, that's easy. You're, no, it's, it's you know the, the origin of sports and things like that. But one of the fascinating aspects that I don't know that I had ever really thought about, I think we've always been aware of this in sports, but not necessarily fully grasped it, 
and that is many of the athletes that we studied in this class, Muhammad Ali, Jackie Robinson, Billie Jean King, um, Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano, many of them athletes, Kevin, that, that rose and ascended to the top of their profession and did so oftentimes by one of two means. Either the circumstances from a societal standpoint in which they were rising tried to hold them back and their own inner fortitude overcame that and that rose them to greatness. Jackie Robinson, obviously, uh, to a great extent, Joe Lewis, you know, Billie Jean King, to a great extent, women in tennis. Uh, or they almost created in themselves the the storyline in their mind that they were battling against the stigma. Billie Jean King talked about the fact that she knew at a young age, like she was like, wait a minute, there are things about women in tennis that I don't approve of. I don't think we should have to wear dresses. I, you know, I don't see a lot of people of color. And so she said, she she told herself. If I become the best ever at this sport, then I'm going to have a voice to make change. And that that's what fueled and motivated her. Last night we saw with Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield did not play well in Carolina. There was a lot of doubt about Baker Mayfield. Once he was released by Carolina, his back was completely against the wall. And I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that what we saw last night was the resurrection of a guy that's going to become a franchise quarterback again. But going into that game, he knew that the world, it was Baker Mayfield against the world in his mind. And and Michael Jordan, you know, made up stories in his mind about LeBradford Smith talking trash about him so that he could go out and destroy LeBradford Smith, even though it never happened. He created it in his mind. The Colts this year are in a situation where they have not played well at all. And then I thought about it and I thought... You know, Shaquille Leonard is kind of their one guy that that just has this energy that almost to the point where you're like, you know, he he was snubbed by Clemson at South Carolina State. He inner drives himself, but he hasn't been on the field this year. Are the Colts lacking that that domineering presence that has that motivating internal drive or that little bit of crazy that a team needs? Are the Colts too soft, to use that term? Are they too nice? Yeah. Were they led by a guy that was too nice? Yeah, I, I would say to the part of lacking an edge, um, needing a couple guys that have some screws loose. Yeah, I, I've always felt that was the case uh, with their roster construction and that uh, probably a few too many on the choir boy front. I, I think they're all extremely self-motivated, and I think that's a great quality that you would want in your roster. Um, I don't necessarily think that Baker Mayfield is the sort of presence that they need inside of their building. Um, but I do think that that sort of personality um, is key. You know, I think it's something that the Pacers have welcomed with Benedict Matherin. It's that you finally have a guy that just exudes confidence always on the floor. Yeah, Benedict Matherin's a good example of it, right? Because when he came out and made the comments about LeBron James, people were like, what? Right, but and he's and like, it's one Look, thing to, this is what I have to do to like make myself win, right? It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to act on it. And you watch him play, um, and he plays with that edge. And I think that is necessary because guys feed off that. It's a little bit of, hey, I want to follow him down that alley. And you have some trust and some belief. Um, I think that's really, really important for him. So I, I thought it was a smart move by the Rams. You know, tr- tr- try and provide a little bit of a jolt 
Um, the season's going nowhere. Stafford's done for the year. You know, we'll see at the end of the year what happens with Stafford's career. And then, you know, who knows? If Sean McVay feels like third stop's a charm for Baker Mayfield, we'll see what happens. But this is a team right now that their draft pick goes to Detroit. In the top five right now, that's not ideal for the Rams. So you need to try and do something. It's a very unusual move to see a quarterback like that get, you know, put onto waivers late in the year. But it happened, and um, we'll see if it works out for the Rams. Mark, you made an interesting point yesterday. I, I think you had read it from maybe it was Schefter, but that Baker Mayfield, this might have been for L.A., talking about the Rams, not the Chargers, but for L.A. who has sent a ton of first-round and draft picks, first three-round picks, uh, all over the place, in particular for Matthew Stafford, but they are short on draft capital, and Baker Mayfield, they might be trying to turn into that, right? Yeah, they could get a compensatory pick if he leaves in free agency. So, if he gets a big enough contract, that is. It is kind of interesting that nobody else would have thought to... They they might need him. Flat out, though. Yeah. Think so? I mean, is it a guarantee Stafford wants to keep on playing? That's a good point. I mean, Stafford got his ring, right? Um... Is yeah, Stafford they, a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I feel like you get a lot of these skewed quarterback numbers that are about to... He probably has put up the high level of like the group of him and Eli and Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers. He's probably on the high end of those guys. So does the Super Bowl ring outside of Eli. Does that trump Matt Ryan and Phillip Rivers? Stafford and the Rams just signed a long-term extension in this last offseason, too, so he's under contract through the 2026 season. So if he doesn't want to play, that's on him, but there's a lot of money on the table right? if he chooses to Yeah, do. I think injuries would play. I mean, this is pretty serious concussion, it sounds like, Yeah, you know, for him to, in all likelihood, miss the rest of the season. We'll have Jeremiah Johnson join us here in about 15 minutes. I Am I too critical, Jake, that I, I didn't love how the Pacers played out West? No, I think that's... I, I think that's... I mean, they got run off the Fair. floor in a lot of those losses. And that's where 2-5 and five record, fine. But I think what I'd like to see from this team is as the schedule gets tougher, to make sure that you're still somewhat competitive. And I felt like if you look at, what, seven games, that's 28 quarters you played out West, you were not very competitive for like 20 of them. And I think that is what was disappointing to me about their effort out West. So I would like fair. to see now at home just a little bit more consistency. And I get it. Part of it's a young team. You're not going to, you know, string long, long stretches of that, uh, but a little bit more of that now that you're back at home. They, they, I think their youth showed a little bit, right? Yeah. And Matherin would be in that group. He, he shot it terrible on the road. So curious to see how he bounces back tonight. He's kind of, and you have this, I'm not going to say he's in a rookie slump, but I think what we're seeing is, you know, the 32-point nights were far more the anomaly than than what we're going to see as the normal. That's not to say he's not going to have a few more of those in him. But I, And I'll be curious to find out. We're going to talk to Rick Carlisle on Tuesday, um, right about this time, as a matter of fact, on Tuesday. And one of the things I want to ask him is, you know, the rookie wall that we hear about, how much of that is psychological and how much of that is mental? And by that, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, psychological and how much of it is physical. And by that, I mean, psychologically speaking, you know, just the, the, the pressures of, 
of having to play with the, the the amount of times that they do, not not just physically what that does to you, but also just knowing that now all of a sudden like there's scattering report on you. There's you know teams have a, a better expectation of what you can do. You have to adjust. You have to to get used to that. You have to uh, learn a new role because you're maybe you're not the guy and you've been the guy your whole life. I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into it over the course of a rookie season. And in Benedict Matherin's case, I think he's kind of wading his way through that right now navigating his way through it. Tell you what, a guy that definitely did not want to see the Pacers draft, and they will see tonight, who has had a very poor start to his NBA career, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Care to guess how many points Johnny Davis has scored? Now, what, what are we, 25 games into the season? Well, based on the way you led into that, I'll say, um, I'll say they've scored... I'll say he scored 18 total points. Cut that in half. Wow. Johnny Davis with nine points in 45 minutes here in his rookie season for playing reason, for a bad Wizards team. And this is totally unfair to say, but players sometimes get labeled based on, on where they came out or you know where they came from, I mean. In other words, you know, is is he the next in a long line of players out of Wisconsin that got drafted in the NBA and you never hear from him again? Is that coincidence, or is there something about the way Wisconsin plays? Should there have been warning signs? I, you know, yeah, and I feel like it's a little bit of a lazy label, Jake. I, I, think, I totally agree. But I think like, people will do that with C.J. Stroud coming up here in the draft. Yeah, exactly. And it's like with CJ's, Ohio State quarterbacks. Right. But the thing that I didn't love about Davis exiting Wisconsin, I thought he was a bit undersized for the position he'd be asked to play in the NBA. And he was just such a streaky shooter and not a great perimeter shooter. Uh, and I felt like those were two big knocks of a little bit undersized, getting off your shot's going to be even more difficult. He had like a lot of tough, like 18, 20-footers in college. And I just don't think that translates very well to the NBA. Let me give you the name, the names of some guys out of Wisconsin that you're going to go, oh, I forgot about that guy. Okay, you ready? Alondo Tucker. Boy, great college player. All these guys were, okay? Nigel Hayes. Um, Devin Harris. He had a decent career. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Frank Kaminsky. Journeyman. Sam Decker. Uh, Sam Decker, is he still in the league? He's married to Kevin Harlan's daughter. Is that right? I think that's right. And and attractive gal, right? Now, Michael Finley was a really good player. But there are just a lot of guys that, that, that come out of... I mean, even Jordan Taylor, remember him? Marcus Landry. Point guard. Is that Carl's brother? It is. Carl Landry, who was the best three-point play, rebound basket, getting fouled player in the history of college basketball. Every basket that he scored was a putback where he was fouled. So that's a quantitative stat? <laughs> that is. Yeah, that's a, that's a deep-dive stat that the Cybermetrics came up with. Yeah, I mean, some of those guys you could point to. And certainly they're a bit undersized. Mark, we got a World Cup pick for today? Ooh. That's a good question. Croatia, Brazil at at, uh, 10 a.m. And then Netherlands, Argentina. This is where the U.S. would have slotted in Mm -hmm. upon winning here. Let me tell you, if you're going to watch the uh, Croatia-Brazil match. Is Croatia the runner-up? Or was that the World Cup before that? 
Uh, you think the World Cup before that. Croatia, by the way, is beautiful. Have you looked at photos of Croatia? You know, a buddy of mine uh, did a huge, huge, like, 30th birthday, once-in-a-lifetime trip. If you guys could make it, it'd be great. Obviously, we didn't make it. Uh, but looking at the pictures they sent to try and entice, it was unbelievable. Yeah, he went to Croatia? Yeah. Yeah, it, it Isn't is. every picture that people send places gorgeous, though? Like, you're not going to send a dumpy picture. No, you're no, right. But I, but I, I thought Croatia was in the middle of Europe. I, that's exactly... I could not agree more. I, For whatever reason, and this is totally... I, 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 this is dumb, naive American. My apologies. For whatever reason, I always put Croatia... I always thought it, it was part of, like up by like Lithuania and Latvia and that like if you look outside right now that this is what it looks like every day in Croatia right and in fact could not be further from the truth Croatia I believe was I believe this is correct Mark you're gonna have to look this up because what do we do on this program we educate and entertain thank you I I think Croatia was part of the original Yugoslavia along with Serbia I believe that Croatia and Serbia border one another and became independent nations with the fall of Yugoslavia I, I is that is that correct or incorrect? That sounds right. Bosnia might be in there as well. But anyway, Croatia's gorgeous. But from the World Basketball Championships that were here in 2002, the one thing I know about Brazil is this. Because I, I went to one of the games. Well, I went to several of the games. Leandro Barbosa? And I was like, yeah, I was like the one person that was there because that was a, a huge flop. But um, Brazil, at, at one point, I thought it'd be fun to sit in the fan section of one of the other countries so i sat in the brazil section which was like 50 people and the whole entire game they had little like shaker things but the whole game they just kept going brazil 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 for 45 consecutive minutes short and sweet yeah hey if it gets her team to play better I, I, i still can hear it it's like those Vuvuleza's from the one year that the World Cup was in. Where was it where they did the Vuvuleza's South all the time? South Africa. All the time. Did you look up uh, Croatia? Yeah, I've looked it up. It looks very pretty. Now, I bet you look up the history of it. Oh. Well, I got sidetracked with the beauty. Well, you said to educate and entertain. I know. <laughs> We're not doing either. <laughs> well, I just said that. Like, I feel like people show pictures like... It's like how you go to like you know Priceline or whatever. You look up a hotel. They're not going to show you like, oh, look at there where this murder happened in this room. Oh, the only me... two places I've ever been that looked exactly like the photos were Hawaii and Barcelona. Yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, you got to say it correctly. Do you know the f- state fish of Hawaii? Uh, yeah, you've you've told us. Yeah, before. Yeah, it's the Nukuapuaha. Oh, I would have guessed catfish. Well, it's it translates. So no picks from you today, Mark. Uh, Brazil and Argentina, which means that they're. Probably going to well, go the other favorite, way. Favor, right? The only, the only picks I have here are of Croatia, and it is beautiful. Brazil, the odds-on favorite since the tournament started, so hard to go against them. And Argentina, I, I'm a big fan of Messi, so I'll root for him. Now, Messi's playing, but Ronaldo's been benched. He's been benched, yes. He and the uh, manager not getting along, not seeing eye-to-eye, probably. So that's tomorrow. France and England, the big one, and Portugal, Morocco. That is the quarterfinal slate for the World Cup. All right, Jeremiah Johnson going to join us in about 10 minutes. Let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yesterday, the introductory press conference for Jeff Brom in Louisville. Here was the now former Purdue coach on his time in West Lafayette. Before I begin, though, I do want to thank um, you know my former employee, uh, Purdue University, 
our athletic director, Mike Babinski, President Mitch Daniels, our board of trustees, uh, Mike Berghoff, our fans that were there, and our players for a wonderful six years. I'm very proud of what it, we all accomplished together. Purdue will always be my home away from home, but this is home. This is not a job to me. This has been a way of life for my family since I was born. While in my career, I have coached at many different places, some near, some far, but I never really left Louisville. My heart was always here. Kind of feel the emotion from Jeff Brom throughout that press conference. I get it, man. I totally get it, right? Totally get it. Don't think there's anything Purdue could have done on that front. Uh, Purdue now, of course, the search begins, and Mike Babinski made no bones about the fact that uh, they will look far and wide for the next head football coach. They do have some Big Ten money to spend. They do have a higher profile than when Jeff Brom entered, so we shall see where Purdue goes. A couple of names of interest, Jeff, uh, excuse me, Jim Leonard out of Wisconsin, uh, Tyson Helton, who is at Western Kentucky, was the 2019 Conference USA Coach of the Year. Those are among several names that have been thrown around as possibilities for the Boilermakers. Uh, also, by the way, news that happened back in 1991, but it's never too late to report on it. Uh, Croatia got its independence from Yugoslavia. It is bordered for, by Serbia and Bosnia, as well as Montenegro, after it became independent in 1991 after the war which split Yugoslavia. Educate and entertain. When are we getting those shirts? We need to get those shirts made. <laughs> Who's gonna, can we get the shop on that? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, we got to get those printed soon. That, right? that is the unofficial show motto, is it not? Or is it now the Someone official show print motto? shirts out of their van or something like that? We'll take that. It could be a holiday. You know, nice holiday gift for family. Dave's van t-shirts. <laughs> Uh, college basketball coming out this weekend. You got Indiana at, or I should say, in Vegas against Arizona. It's a seven thirty tip tomorrow night. It's a big one there for the Hoosiers. Uh, they are then at Kansas next Saturday. Uh, Purdue's got their first Big Ten road game of the year. That would be at Nebraska tomorrow at two fifteen. Again, the Boilers did struggle down in Tallahassee their first road game of the year uh, last week. So we'll see how they respond to first conference road game considering what happened with Indiana at Rutgers. In the association, Pacers tonight taking on the Washington Wizards at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Jeremiah Johnson going to join us just about eight minutes from now to talk about exactly that. Uh, last night's sensational game between the Nuggets and the Blazers. Damon, Damian Lillard had 40. Nuggets won on a game winner. My understanding is it was similar to the Rutgers radio call, Mark. We might have to find that, by the way. It sounded like a thriller last night. Yeah. Marcus searching for something. That was was that from the the Rutgers radio call? Yeah, I believe so. I think that's right. When was that from football or basketball? Was it the Ron Harper to beat beat Purdue? To beat Purdue, I think, I think that might have been. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just walked all over his play by play guy. <laughs> that's right. Last night, Thursday night football, an incredible comeback by the Rams. The Raiders in control all game long. You're kind of waiting for them just to put the game away. They did not do that, and they paid for it dearly. A 98-yard drive with no timeouts left, about a minute 50-ish and change on the clock there for Baker Mayfield. Got a couple Raider penalties in really just true Raider fashion. (coughs) It's now the fourth game this season. They have led by double digits at halftime and have lost. Um, It was Van Jefferson from Baker Mayfield for the game when he touched down. Ironically enough, exact same storyline how it played out Monday Night Football between the Saints and the Bucks earlier this week with the Saints leading their late couple Tom Brady touchdown drives in the final four minutes of the game. It's exactly what the Rams did last night. Good news for the Colts though. Rams now 4-9. They pick fourth. 
currently. They send that pick to Detroit, though. So you have the Rams and the Saints at 4-9. and nine. You have the Panthers, Jags, and Cardinals all at 4-8. and eight. Guys, how many of those teams will win this weekend for the Colts? You've got Jacksonville, Tennessee. You've got Carolina against Seattle. And you've got Arizona and New England. Out of those three, how many of the Colts get help with? Boy. I, okay, Seattle will beat Carolina, so that doesn't help the Colts, right? Jacksonville could win, right? Your guy's hurt, right? Yeah, I think... No, Lawrence... Yeah, isn't he missed the first two days of practice this week? That might be right. Um, Where were they playing? But he played really well oh, last Titans. week. In Nashville. I thought he was hurt, yeah. I feel like they play the Titans tough. I I would agree with you, Mark. Like, I... I wouldn't, and doesn't, isn't this a time of year where Nashville kind of, or, or excuse me, where Tennessee kind of starts to do their fate a little they bit? They lost two straight. So you guys like Jacksonville over Tennessee. What about Arizona at home over New I don't England? know if I like them over that, but I think they'll give them a run. Arizona absolutely can can win. Yeah, Tampa, I mean, aside from the last five minutes of Monday night's game, they couldn't score a lick. So Arizona could do some damage. So yeah, those are the three. Toe injury for Trevor Lawrence, by the way. Colts-wise, if they are able to um, get any of those teams to win, Jacksonville, Carolina, or Arizona, they will move up in the draft or sitting at ninth right now entering. Where do you think they'll be by the, when we come in on Monday? Uh, let's go with seventh. Let's go with two of those three happen. Eh, yeah, seventh. Wishful okay. thinking on my part, probably. Okay. I could see it. T- tomorrow, I think appointment television, Army, Navy, three o'clock. The best. From Lincoln Financial Field, Navy a slight favorite, two and a half points uh, over under in that one, 32 and a half. Uh, unfortunately, neither of the teams right now bowl eligible. Army's got to win on Saturday to get there. For what it's worth, the under of 32 and a half has hit in four of the five previous match. By the way, this is true. The 30 for 30, if you've never seen it, um, about... Drazen Petrovic and Vlade Divac and how the war split kind of their friendship and then Drazen Petrovic passed away. But one Serbian, or excuse me, one Croatian and one Serbian. I, I believe Petrovic was Croatian. Doesn't Reggie Miller Divac say the greatest Serbian. shooter he's ever seen? Uh, he was, Drazen Petrovic was something, man. And he was just starting to come into his own when he was tragically killed in a car accident. Uh, but that is a fabulous 30 for 30, not only about friendship, but also just about the rigors of war-torn nations. It's excellent documentary. Speaking of friendship, one of our friends, Jeremiah Johnson. He joins us next here. Also a great shooter. Every time I hear this song, I think about the summer of 94 when I was an intern at MTV Networks in New York, and they played this song literally every seven minutes. Picturing Jeremiah Johnson at the Peru prom. <laughs> Uh, here's here's what we know about Jeremiah Johnson at the Purdue prom. Peru, was, Peru. What I say? Purdue. Oh, so, per, sorry, Peru. Obviously, the Peru Tigers. Purdue at prom. The be Peru prom. I know Jeremiah's a Ball State guy. Uh, if if he if a button popped on his tuxedo, no worries. He's got several standby producers that are willing to sew it back on for him. I do know that. Much. Even in high school, he had that. Oh, of course. He's been big time for a long time. He joins us now, as a matter of fact, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Jeremiah, welcome back, man. Long trip for you, and I'm sure you're happy to be home. Pacers and Wiz tonight at the Fieldhouse. I am happy to be home, and much like uh, the prom references, 
that song actually brings me back to Peru, but not to the prom. We used to play that while playing three-on-three half-court basketball on a on an eight-foot goal all summer long in 94. Nice. So it, it, you had the year correct and uh, just not the correct activity. <laughs> Eight foot goal. <laughs> suddenly, <laughs> suddenly everybody thinks that they're Michael Jordan, right? Exactly. Yeah, it could not be better. I don't know that it got you better at basketball, but it was fun. Um, let's begin with this. It, Kevin said this, and I want your reaction to it. Um, that the seven game road trip, what two and five, I think total. Is that right? That's on the correct. on the trip, disappointing. I was a little disappointed. Water finding JJ. its level. How do you assess it? You know, when you went into the trip with a four, up four in the, uh, you know, 500 record, I think it was 12 and eight, uh, or actually 11 and seven. So you'd like to have at least gone three and four, but there were a couple of really memorable moments. You know, you could be a little bit disappointed in the record. And then also of some of those losses, the, the Minnesota game was close, but the other four were not as much. Clippers, you were never really in that game. Uh, Kings, Jazz, Blazers; those were those were not as close either. So you'd like to be a little more competitive. Uh, but you know, when we started the season, I don't know that we were necessarily evaluating this team in terms of wins and losses. And then when you jump out to such a fast start, maybe your perspective changes a little bit. So I do think for someone like Kevin that's counting the wins, maybe two and five is not what you wanted. But whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> well, what? Hey, yeah, yeah, you are right. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be totally fair, JJ, I would like to think I could separate the financial stake that I might have versus the actual product on the floor. And, and my issue was more of like two and five was fine. I felt like in the five losses, though, they got run off the floor in the vast majority of the quarters that they played. And I think those are like some strides you want to see of at the end of the year. We're not really counting wins and losses, although I am. I'm more concerned about like what do you look like within those wins and losses and losing by 15 to 20 points I thought was out of character and a bit disappointing. And what's disappointing I think is repeatedly falling behind early in games and you can do that maybe at home or against teams like the Rockets or the Pistons but you can't do it on the road against Western Conference teams that are in the playoff picture and that's what I think they learned on that road trip because Sacramento and Utah and Portland, maybe at least for two of those teams, you didn't expect to be up there, but they're playing really well. And, and I've said this a number of times, those three teams specifically have you know three of the best home court atmospheres in the NBA. And so if you constantly play teams like that, and then you're on the road, and then you're down 15 to 20 points, 23 points to Minnesota, and you're able to come back in that game. Now, that's not the same environment as the other three that I mentioned, but you're just asking for trouble. And the Golden State game was what Rick Carlisle had been mentioning, that you you don't always want to play from behind. And they were playing from ahead for much of that game. And that's what made that one uh, different, special, and then it set up for you know quite a fourth quarter as well. So the starts are really what I'm watching, and not necessarily to be leading at the end of, the, of every first quarter, but you don't always want to be down double digits. And so they've got to figure that out a little bit. They've had some different starting lineups, some of that due to – most of that due to injuries. And so we'll see if they can figure that out. But I do think 25 games in, you've got to figure out a way to start games better and not constantly being forced to come from behind. Jeremiah Jeremiah Johnson, by the way, from Valley Sports and the Pacers television broadcast joins us on the Payless Sugars Hotline. We've talked, and I've mentioned a lot, uh, the quote-unquote rookie wall that, that rookies hit from time. Sometimes it's not a permanent wall, but they, they go through 
ups and downs over the course of the season. You've been around a lot more NBA than have I, so I want to ask you this. I guess kind of a three-part all-encompassing question for our listeners. Do you believe in the rookie wall or you know have you have you witnessed it in your time and if so, can you kind of just explain what happens with rookies in terms of the ups and downs of their play and what point in the season does it usually start to really have an effect? You know, even from a broadcaster perspective, the first few years that I was traveling with the team, I would hit a little bit of a wall and I think that you feel that in in January, maybe the last week or two of January because you're still not that close to the all-star break and you still you feel like you've played a whole season and it's only halfway through the season so I think it's a little early right now to say that anyone is hitting the rookie wall and I do think some of it could be sort of personality based Uh, if you're speaking about Benedict Matherin he has played every single game I think maybe if he's up and down a little bit it's more due to the emphasis that teams are you know, using against him and then using the film that he's put out there to try to take away what he does well. So he's, he's been a little up and down on the road trip and maybe over the last couple of weeks, but I think it's a little early. Now, you'll also feel a little bit of that if you're not used to the, the seven-game road trips, which no one really is, or you know, the five games in seven nights. Those are some things that you don't experience in college. And the thing that I, you know, I brought this up with, with Pat Boylan on our podcast this week, the Pacers are in a stretch where for three weeks they're going to have one actual day of practice, and that was actually in Utah, and it wasn't even a real intense practice. Tyrese Halliburton was not available, so that changes things quite a bit anyways. And and those are things that rookies, you know, it's unfathomable to them. You think about high school and college basketball, how much time is spent on the practice court. To not have a real practice and just play game, game, day off, game, game, travel to another city, play another game, I think that's where you really feel it. So it's not just about fatigue. There are a lot of different layers to the quote-unquote rookie wall, but it's the rookie NBA experience, and it's something that everybody has to get used to. Now, Jeremiah, do you think in Benedict Matherin's case, do you notice, you know, now that – and obviously he got out to a tremendous start and is still a really – I mean, you know, he's obviously going to be a great player. But are people guarding him a little bit differently now that there obviously is plenty of body of work – to be seen on film of him at the NBA level, is he starting to see different looks in terms of how he's guarded? I think he is. And the one thing I think he'll need to do is try to, you know, add some aspects to his game that, you know, in college it can be so easy for someone. Just get the ball, you know, go to the basket. He's elite at attacking the rim, getting to the free throw line, using his strength to his advantage. You have to be a little more well-rounded. One of the things that, you know, I, as soon as I saw it, I thought about it, and Quinn Buckner pointed it out, not just during the game, but on the postgame show, was there was a play he drove to the basket and then I think dropped a, a bounce pass to one of the bigs, and we hadn't seen that aspect of his game as much in the first, you know, month and, month and a half of the season. And so instead of just, you know, getting it on the wing, seeing he has a mismatch or he has a, a good situation to take it to the basket, maybe a little more playmaking. So teams – Teams know what he likes to do, and they're trying to take that away. And they're make, and they're also putting maybe their better defenders on him. I asked a couple of coaches about Benedict Matherin in the last couple of weeks, and, and they've said, we'll make note when he comes into the game, we have to know who's guarding him. Well, I don't think that happened in late October and the first week of November. And now they're basically saying, this is one guy we have to make sure that we have the right personnel on the court when he comes into the game. And he started one game on that road trip. I think he'll continue to as long as 
those guys are healthy come off the bench, and I think that's a good role for him. But it's not like he's always going to attack second-unit defenders. Teams are going to put their better defenders on the court when he's there. So um, those are some things I think he's going to have to get used to, but the adjustment and the you know, film is out on Benedict Mather, and he'll, he'll continue to deal with that as he gets you know, farther along in his NBA career. Finally, back at home after two weeks on the road, Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports tonight. You'll see the Pacers and the Wizards, 7 o'clock tip, Indiana slight favorite in that one. JJ, given the current kind of makeup of this roster, what do you think is the ideal role for Andrew Nemhard? Credit to him. He's been thrown into a whole lot of different roles and has, I thought, played them very, very well. But I think in an ideal world, what would Rick Carlisle like? And I guess how would they utilize him? Well, we've seen early in his career that Rick Carlisle trusts him to be on the floor at the end of games. He also needs Benedict Mather on the floor at times due to his explosiveness and his ability to score. So uh, he trusts him to start games. He trusts him to finish games. One thing that you know I've got to caution myself or get away from is necessarily saying who's the point guard and who's the two guard. I think he can be a part of a three- to four-man guard rotation, and whether that's the point off the ball, maybe you've got a three-guard lineup, he's in the mix. Your, your leader and your true point guard is Tyrese Halliburton, but I almost say if he's 1A, then you've got 1B moving forward, taken care of, and you don't have to worry about for the next few years. And, and granted, he's not going to play every game like w- what we saw at Golden State. Uh, it was off a little bit against Minnesota, but he still is solid. He is a guy that can get into the paint and make plays. He can lock down and and guard some of the best, you know, scorers in the NBA. So for what we've seen for a second round draft pick in his first year, just say he's part of your three, four man guard rotation for the next five, six years. I, I think you've got something right there. Now that maybe that's just a little bit too high expectations right now, but with what we saw against Golden State when he was the best player on the court, I don't think it's too much to say. Now, Jeremiah, I'm looking at it here. In the last like two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, you've been in Los Angeles, right? You were in Sacramento, you were in Salt Lake City, you were in Portland, you were in the Bay Area, which I think that arena is now in Oakland, right? Or are they in San Francisco? No, it is in San Francisco. Okay, so so San Francisco, and then Minneapolis. Um, Mm -hmm. If you had to, having nothing to do with the job itself and the team that you'd be covering, etc., if you just had to retire and you had to pick one of those six cities to live, which one are you going with? That's tough. Uh, I would think if I'm in retirement age, weather is a factor, correct? I mean, absolutely. As pretty as Salt Lake City is, I don't know that I'd want to retire there because it does get cold, although it wasn't as cold when we were there. So probably I would just say maybe San Francisco is a little different. Los Angeles isn't necessarily my, my cup of tea for a place that I'd like to live. So I guess maybe I'd say San Francisco just for Man, more. How much are they do. paying you? <laughs> well, I don't personally. I'm not sure that I'm ever actually going to retire. But if, if given the opportunity, as Jake posed the question, sure, I'll, I'll go to San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco's beautiful, man. I mean, there's no doubt about it, right? Um, oh yeah. And where would you go the least, or where would you least Ooh, least like to go? That one. <laughs> okay, Sacramento would seem like the easy answer. Minnesota, though, is just too cold. Yep. And I will say that Sacramento has improved on my, my ranking list over the years. It used to be 
maybe bottom five, and they've got a new downtown arena, which wasn't part of the question as, as Jake posed it, but they've got some development around that arena. And I did feel better about, you know, outside of the game itself, the trip to Sacramento I enjoyed maybe a little bit more than I have other trips to Sacramento. So it's moved up the list. Uh, Minneapolis, uh, nothing against it. I know Mark Boyle has his roots there. It's probably uh, it's the one that I would Look, want to Sacramento, here's the thing about Sacramento. It's basically the size of Indy, and it kind of looks like Indy in, in, in its suburbs. But you, literally, you get in your car, and I know traffic's an issue, but you get in your car, and you hook a left, and two hours later, you're, you're in Lake Tahoe, and you hook a right, and two hours later, you're at the Golden Gate Bridge. I, I mean, that's pretty – and Eight is Enough was filmed there, which to me is, is right there. I mean, that's that's the creme de la creme. I think Sacramento's and, underrated. And to Kevin's point, I, I'm, I'm sure it's cheaper to retire in Sacramento Very. than San Francisco. So. It's kind of like Peru, Indiana, full circle. Yes, uh huh. I've heard a lot of people make that comparison. Yeah, yeah Peru, the Bay Area of the of Indiana. Yep. The best part of Peru was growing up. You were an hour and a half to Fort Wayne. You're an hour and a half to Lafayette. You were two hours to Chicago. Two hours to Indianapolis. I mean, Peru's the next hotbed of. The I state thought the best thing about growing up in Peru is that once you're grown up, you can leave. Right. <laughs> I want to make sure I got all these analogies right. You said Fort Wayne is like the Lake Tahoe, Peru, <laughs> yeah, Sacramento, yeah. and West Lafayette. So Pack up the kids. We're going to the Summit City for the weekend. Well, all the places that had really cool malls back in the day, at least. You had oh, plenty yeah. of shopping options. Yeah, We had any uh, Chris Duarte update. Felt like there was a chance for the Western trip, but nothing happened. Yeah, nothing really happened. Heading into the trip, I thought that, that Rick Carlisle said there was, there was a chance he'd play, and then maybe the first couple games when we were in Los Angeles, it didn't seem as positive. I've seen him go through a lot of, of workouts and playing one-on-one. Maybe we'll get more of an update here before the game today, but I've not heard anything in the last few days. Do, do you feel like we're about to get kind of our truest gauge on this team coming up in the next few weeks? It almost seems like they've been at two ends of the spectrum. Early on in the year, schedule benefited you. You were sneaking up on everybody, kind of a surprise. Then you go out west, it's almost the other end of the spectrum. Grueling schedule, huge jump uh, just in terms of you know travel, all of that. And now it's like you settle into kind of a normal schedule. You're not going to sneak up on anybody. I feel like in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get a pretty true gauge on what this season's going to look like. I think that's actually very fair because I'll even put these two games tonight and tomorrow into the road trip because it's part of a five and seven and the first game after a road trip is always difficult. So let me say, get through this weekend and then look at the next couple of weeks, maybe from Monday until Christmas and see where things are. Because at that point, you're going to be, you know, 35 or so games into the season. You're going to be almost to the halfway point. And as you mentioned, it, the schedule won't be as compact and it won't be as either loaded with home games or loaded with road games. It'll be a little bit of a mix. But if you look at who the Pacers are playing over the next couple of weeks, home or road, it'll be a challenge. I mean, you've got some really good teams coming in. So I do think if we're talking two weeks from now, we'll have a better idea of whether this team is is a a playoff contender or whether, you know, there may be a focus on the future. But I know they're going to keep fighting, and so I think how we evaluate this team might continue to evolve over the course of the season. Do you think around that time, Jeremiah, so let's say like another 10 to 15 games, is when we'll start to see the rotation – kind of shorten down a little bit and be a little bit more firm on who, let's say, like the nine or ten guys are that are most frequently going to be logging the most minutes? 
Um, you know, maybe some of that still is based on injury, though. I mean, in the NBA, yeah. you rarely have everyone available. And so if you've got three guys out, then that determines who your rotation is. A guy like O'Shea Brissett to start the season, there have been some games he didn't play. There have been some games he played in the first half and not the second half. And so sometimes it's hot hand. I think Rick Carlisle probably has a little bit of a pecking order. This is my top 11, top 12. And maybe there's some room to adjust those a little bit. But I'm not sure that it really will change in two weeks. I think he pretty much knows, you know, if given a perfect situation, this is who I want on the court. And I'm I'm not sure that that'll change. By the way, um, is the is the town of Peru now? Is that first off? Do they say up there? Do they say Peru or, or Peru? W- which is it? Well, Slick Leonard always used to say Peru. He had some good friends in in Peru, but so I won't I won't question him. But most people from Peru just say Peru. The old timers occasionally will say Peru. W- was it named for the country, or was there like a John Peru that moved there at one point? I don't know of any John Peru. Um, just some, you know, his John Peru Club. Yeah, it sounds like an alias checking into a hotel. John Peru. <laughs> right. I'm just but saying. Mexico is also in Miami County, and so is Chai Life. So I'm guessing it has more to do with the the country than anything else. Is it well, Ruth actually, Riley from around there, JJ? Absolutely. Ruth Riley went to North Miami High School. There was a time I thought she was going to go to Peru, but uh, I actually went to school with her sister, McConaughey, in middle school. And at this point, I think people driving around are getting way too much Miami County historical information. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) To be fair. I'm looking here. I I really do want to know the origin of of Peru. We're going to talk NFL draft in about 10 minutes. JJ. we ask him? Will he know, do you think? JJ, as always, thank you. Glad the Western trip treated you well, and uh, looking forward to the next couple nights at home. Jake, you must not listen. You asked me whether it's Peru or Peru, and you continue to say Peru, uh, but I said the old-timer, so you're putting yourself into that category by saying Peru constantly. Listen, number one, I'm an old-timer, and number two, if I had my choice between being associated with Slick Leonard or Jeremiah Johnson, I'm going Slick every time unless it's the beer, right? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair, isn't it? JJ, come on now, baby. Say, say Peru all you all you want. That's right. Thanks, JJ. <laughs> okay, add it, baby. We got a Pacers Nets tomorrow. Nets play tonight. So for those curious about Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, looks like Ben Simmons is going to get back in the lineup. He's missed a few games, but it'll be interesting to see how they handle the second night of a back to back. Both those teams. Hey, can we see Victor Oladipo on Monday? Boy, I he has yet to play a game as an opponent in. Gambridge Fieldhouse since leaving Indiana, correct? Correct. Season debut for Victor on Tuesday. He played 19 minutes off the bench for Miami, then played 21 last night for them. So we'll see if Monday indeed. And then, of course, Wednesday, you're on Steph Curry watch, right? Miami's, I'll tell you what, Miami is off to a slow start for their standards. Yeah, 10th right now in the East. I feel like one of the more, I don't know, one of the more like popular things fans might do, especially fans with little kids that want to go see Steph Curry do when the Pacer schedule comes out. You look to see if Golden State's playing the night before the Pacer game. Bad news for you. They are. So Golden State is here next Wednesday. They've got the Bucks on national TV on Tuesday. So you would assume Curry would play in that game. We'll have to keep an eye on if he'll play then the next night on the back-to-back 
here in Indiana. By the way, we should also mention real quick, uh, Indiana soccer tonight against Pittsburgh, right? And the College, college Cup. Cup? Yep. So, best of luck to the soccer. Fighting Hoosiers. Todd Yeagley's. That's right. I'm old enough to remember Ken Yeagley. 82, 83, 88, Ken Snow, or Jerry Yeagley, excuse me. Ken Snow, they had some great teams, man. 830, I believe, from Cary, North Carolina on that one. All right, uh, Matt Miller, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, going to join us here in a few. Kind of the reality of the Colts season right now is you're watching the game last night and AFC teams involved and you're not even thinking about, um, if they lose, I wonder how that impacts playoff standing. It's more of, hmm, I wonder if one of these teams loses, how it impacts the Colts draft standing. Uh, That's where we're at right now. Colts ninth in the draft order coming up in April. And to find out more about that 2023 draft class and the early look at it. Matt Miller does an outstanding job. You've heard him on our airways before from ESPN.com. Draft analyst is with us now. Matt, good morning, man. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Matt, I, I, I want to start here. What's your favorite part of the draft process? Oh, wow. Um, I, I, I think it's probably still that first night of the draft, that Thursday night, because we have, you know, a year of evaluating players and talking about what teams need and where teams are going to go and to see it play out is it's like Christmas morning. You know, there's, I don't think there's any better analogy for it. So that part's great. I also, I, I heard you talking. I love this part of the season where fans and a radio host of teams realize, Hey, we are screwed. We are not good. Yeah. <laughs> Hand is raised right here in Indy, man. Hand is raised. Yeah. Uh-huh. When I was at, I was at Bleacher Report for like a decade and it was always like we would have meetings and it would be hilarious because it would be like, Hey, it's Thanksgiving. Jets fans care about the draft. Now it's time to like, it's time to dial it up. Let's start doing mock drafts and big boards because you have, you have fan bases that realize around Thanksgiving that they're out of it. And unfortunately for, for Colts fans, that you guys fall into that bucket this year. It, it would be funny to watch like a map of your clicks and see the NFL markets where the clicks just start to rise in those markets as the losses continue to rise. Because I have a oh, feeling, <laughs> like you said, Indy would be in that boat. Um, just brief thoughts on the 2023 class. Obviously, we, we, we want to focus on the quarterback group here with you, but uh, just your overall thoughts and what you've seen so far in this group for 2023. Yeah, you know, we're, we're still figuring out who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Uh, name image likeness has changed that a lot, where it's feasible for players to go back to school and not have the financial pressure to enter the draft. So we have about a month and 10 days to figure out who's actually in, but I like this draft class. I think it's an improvement from last year where it was kind of hard to get excited about last year's draft when you had like an unknown basically going number one overall. You had no quarterbacks. It, it was not a sellable draft year last year. I think this year is much better with a good group of quarterbacks, you know, dynamic outside players like Will Anderson, Jalen Carter on the defensive line. It's, it's a much better year top to bottom. And I think um, it's not the greatest draft class I've ever evaluated, but it's, it's certainly far from the worst. So if you were, for example, Matt, the Indianapolis Colts, and you go into this draft and you say, look, we've got to get ourselves a quarterback that seemingly is a franchise quarterback, okay? You would say to them, well, then you better be drafting no lower or higher, whichever way you want to look at it, than where. In other words, the total number of quarterbacks – that will go off the board that you can build around before you start getting the guys that are projects would be how many? 
Uh, I think you need to be in the top five picks. Um, because, and the reason I say top five, uh, the way the draft order is right now, Houston's going to take a quarterback at number one. Um, I, I would be shocked if they don't. Chicago is not. They have a guy in Justin Fields. They're at number two right now. It seems like, you read the tea leaves, it seems like Seattle is going to try to keep Geno Smith and, and at least not draft a quarterback in the top, the top five. So you're probably okay there. You don't have to worry about Philadelphia drafting a quarterback. But, you know, Detroit is in the mix. Carolina is 1,000% in the mix. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, we saw the Raiders lose last night. No one knows what they're going to do long term. We could see a lot of turnover in Arizona that could, I know Kyler signed an extension, but we've seen that team give up on, on quarterbacks before. So you, you at least have to worry about them. So I think top five is safe because there are really three quarterbacks this year that are, are, are considered top 10 picks. And that's Bryce Young at Alabama, CJ Stroud at Ohio State, and Will Levis from Kentucky. After that, there's a drop off to a project like Anthony Richardson from Florida, who could be the next Josh Allen, the next Cam Newton, or he could be, you know, out of the league in two years. Um, Hinden Hooker tears an ACL late in the season and is will be 25 years old draft weekend. So a player like that is more of a question mark than you would like to be, even though he played really well the last two years. So what looked like a strong quarterback class really got weeded out this year by injury, by players not taking the next step. You know, like Tyler Van Dyke at Miami uh, didn't, ascend the way we thought he would uh, sounds like he's going back to miami now so uh, th- this class kind of got watered down a little bit what about spencer rattler at south carolina I- and i have no idea i mean you feel free to laugh at me here i just i've only seen him play you know basically in a couple of games and i thought man this guy looks dynamite but are there are there concerns with him is it size is it off field i have no idea i think it's definitely size uh, is the biggest one and I think, you know, a, a person could say, well, Bryce Young is small, but they just play so differently um, that you don't worry about it as much with Bryce because he's a pocket passer. I think with Spencer Rattler, you know, there's the, I've never, I've never interviewed him. I've never met him. Uh, so this is not my opinion, but you definitely do hear that he's kind of prickly. You know, he can be a little bit uh, hard to interact with. Um, I, I would say he's a player. If I believe he has another year of eligibility. If, if his family were asking for my opinion, I would tell him to go back to school because he, he ended the season on a really good note. South Carolina started to heat up there at the end. Um, I would say more of that is what he needs before thinking about the NFL. Is it unfair? Matt Miller, by the way, is our guest, ESPN draft analyst. He's on the Payless Liquors hotline. Matt, this is probably going to prove why I am a radio host and you are a draft analyst, okay? In, in my mind, there are sometimes... I have tendencies to look at a player based on his position and his school and then categorize in my mind previous players of same position and same school and become hesitant about the player because I'm like, I don't know. Like USC quarterback would be a prime example. I realize Williams is not eligible this year. But, you know, the, the, the whole notion in your mind of like a USC quarterback's never won a Super Bowl, da, 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 da. is it dangerous to do that or is there actually something that can be learned by it? Uh, both. <laughs> I know that's not the answer you want, but both. I think you have to be aware of scheme and say, okay, guys coming out of this scheme haven't naturally, uh, you know, played well early on, or here's some things they have to overcome. I mean, you can look at quarterbacks coming out of Lincoln Riley's system and say, okay, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, um, even Jalen Hurts to a degree. What, what have we had to fix? Where are their deficiencies? You know, you can look at 
guys coming out of Ryan Day system, you know, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, you know, they, they might not play well outside of the framework of that offense. So you gotta, you gotta teach them that Justin Fields is obviously doing just fine with it. So I don't look at it so much as like historically USC's never had a quarterback win the Super Bowl because there's too many variables there. They've had too many head coaches, too many different types of quarterbacks. Um, and it only takes one, right? So I, I don't go that deep with it, but I do think you have to look at scheme and say, okay, if it's been the same head coach at that school, what are some of the issues that his players have? Or like, you know, right now, if I needed a wide receiver, you can guarantee I'm drafting one from Ohio State because they're doing pretty well. Brian Hartline knows what he's doing, right? It's like I'm getting one of those guys if I need a receiver. So it can work both ways for you. Again, Matt Miller, ESPN.com. It's at NFL Draft Scout. Does an outstanding job there uh, on their draft coverage. And he's with us on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Matt, if you look at it right now, Colts ninth in the draft order. Let's focus on those SEC quarterbacks, kind of non-Bryce Young um, here. Do you feel like those guys, Will Levis, Kentucky, Hendon Hooker, Tennessee, Anthony Richardson, Florida, do you view them in similar tiers? Do you view separation within those three? I believe you said earlier, you know, you feel like Levis could be a guy that could go top 10, so maybe he's kind of at the top end yeah. of that of that trio. How do you look at those three? Yeah, I think Levis is at the top end just because of the body of work. Um, it, he's, you know, everything you kind of want prototypically, size, arm strength, athleticism, toughness. The problem is he just makes some bad decisions with the football. So I think trying to figure out is he – Matthew Stafford or is he Carson Wentz? And and you really don't know until you get him around better players than what he had at Kentucky and give him some continuity um, in terms of offensive coordinator and scheme. That's going to help. Anthony Richardson, it's a similar debate, but I think a bigger (laughs) swing of who he could be because, gosh, there are times you watch him play and you think, this is the future of the NFL. You know, he's huge. He has a great arm. He has a runner. He can go over you, around you. And you're, you're like, this is it. This is it. This is what we need. But then the next throw, I mean, he's missing a guy by like 15 yards. And you're like, what the hell just happened here? So um, I was surprised he decided to declare for the draft and not go back and get a little bit more work at Florida. But I, I'm sure, you know, he's thinking an NFL coach is going to be able to help me develop more than a college coach. Totally understand that. So he's a project. I don't think he's a player you can put on the field. You're one. Uh, and then we go to Hendon Hooker, who I love watching Hendon Hooker play. I mean, he throws a beautiful deep ball. He has great timing. Uh, he sees the field well. The only problem is, you know, he, like I said, he's 24 years old right now. And he tore his ACL late in the season. So you almost have to, you know, look at his rookie season as a redshirt year. So then he's 26 before he's getting on the field. I, I think you worry about that a little bit. Not as much as quarterback as at other positions, but there's definitely that factor of, are you this good because you are, you know, physically, mentally more mature than the guys you're playing against, or are you this good just because you're this good? I, I don't, Matt. I don't think there's like a big section of the Colts fan base that is in this boat, but there's certainly some that are. Hey, if the right quarterback's not there, pass on him. You know, there's a two generational type QBs, or at least that's what people think coming out next year. You know, don't necessarily you know, take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. Uh, having said that. Who would you slot of like top ten locks right now, non quarterback division? Seems like Will Anderson from Alabama. It's a really popular name. Obviously, we see some offensive tackles that typically go yeah. there as well. Uh, who would you slot in that group? Like these are going to be top ten picks, but they don't play quarterback. Yeah, Will Anderson definitely. You know, outside linebacker from Alabama. Jalen Carter, the D tackle from Georgia. 
they could be the first two picks. They really could be. They're that talented. I think after that, you look at Miles Murphy from Clemson. Defensive end is probably in there. You mentioned offensive tackles. Paris Johnson from Ohio State, if he declares for the draft, and Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, who has declared for the draft. They are both top 10 caliber. Now, I don't think they are you know, at the level of the guys we saw last year, you know, Evan Neal, Ike Aquanu, Charles Cross, who were really good players and, and have played very well uh, in their rookie seasons, especially Charles Cross. But I, I do think they're, they're worthy of being top 10 picks. And so for Colts fans, I, I can't imagine uh, the, the outrage that would happen if Chris Ballard passes on a quarterback again. But left tackle is a pretty big need as well. So if, if it is a situation where the top three are off the board by pick nine or maybe Ballard doesn't like all three quarterbacks, going with one of the offensive tackles I, I think is the next best move that you could make. You know, one of the fascinating things, Matt Miller is our guest, the ESPN draft analyst, Chicago's sitting there. I believe they're at number two right now, right? Yeah. Um, clearly, they are a team that doesn't need a young quarterback. Looks like they've got a promising one with the Bears. Do they shop that pick? And if so, how valuable is it? I think they will shop it. Um, you have to. When you're that, that roster is just not good. And, and I think we've seen that this year where they're in games and then they just can't stick with teams. So I think you know, Ryan Poles, this will be his second draft as GM up there. He has to at least take calls because, he, like you said, he doesn't need the quarterback. And if you can set yourself up with future first-round picks, you, I think it's smart to do it, especially if you're only sliding back a couple of spots. You might not want to go from two to nine. So Colts fans, you need to keep losing so you can get closer to that. But I definitely think that's something he'll have to entertain because the Bears specifically, yes, they could draft Will Anderson. Yes, they could draft Jalen Carter. But their needs are, you know, they need another wide receiver. There's not one you're going to take in the top five. They could be in the left tackle conversation. There's probably not one you're taking in the top five. You could You could get one. Uh, later, uh, you know, in the top 10. So I, I think they are the most logical if you're talking about teams that could trade back. Um, Seattle it will probably be up there as well with the Broncos pick. Uh, they Again, if they keep Geno Smith around, they're not in the market for a quarterback, and they could be a team that moves back a little bit. So there's Philadelphia as well with the Saints pick. They definitely don't need a quarterback. They really don't need anything. Um, and they could be a team that says, hey, we're going to need these draft picks once we have to extend Jalen Hurts and, and figure out some of these other things, we'd rather have more draft picks later. I think this is a year where, at least right now, the teams at the top five could be open to trading back. Matt, last one for me. And again, Matt Miller, ESPN Draft Analyst. It's at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. A great, great follow. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Huge Notre Dame fan. I thought Michael Mayer got snubbed last night, not winning the Mackey Award. Um, your thoughts on Michael Mayer going in round one and I guess maybe how high in round one come April? We've been calling him Baby Gronk for three years, so I, I love him. I mean, he uh, is, a, I think, a unique player at the position because as the tight end you know, group has moved away from in-line physical players, here comes Michael Mayer, who's 6'4", 265, can block his tail off, is a great receiver, very productive. I mean, he's... He, it's him or Bijan Robinson are the safest players in the draft. I mean, he's he's that talented. So I don't think he'll go top five. He could go top ten. TJ Hawkinson went top ten a couple of years ago. Um, we're probably looking at top fifteen though, just because the way that position has unfortunately been devalued. Okay, then my last question would be to keep it in state. Uh, give me the top you know player or two that are of interest, if any, 
to come out of in the first couple of rounds, Purdue or Indiana? Uh, I think, well, Aiden O'Connell is probably the, the biggest one from, from Purdue. Um, I know that, you know, he's kind of had a, an up and down career there, but I, I've always liked the way he plays. I do think that, you know, he'll be an NFL quarterback for a really long time. Um, maybe not a starter necessarily, but you know, he'll be in the league for 10 years as a high end backup and a spot starter. So he is, uh, he's the top rated guy I have from Purdue or Indiana this year. So I, I think, most eyes will probably be on him coming out of that region. Uh, Charlie Jones, I love Charlie Jones. He, he could he could probably go higher. I'm very excited to see him at the Senior Bowl. I mean, you transfer from Iowa where they never throw the football, and you end up at Purdue where they're just throwing it to you nonstop. Uh, I absolutely love the way he plays. Um, that's probably if I had to pick a guy from you know that that area and say this is my dude, uh, I would pick Charlie Jones. Yeah, and just a breaking news: there's no. NFL talent on Indiana's football, Indiana football <laughs> roster. I, Not this year. <laughs> yeah, I watched that team play this year. I can, I can share that with you, Matt. As always, man, great stuff. Um, enjoy the weekend. I know we're inching closer uh, to draft season, so hopefully we can have you on a few more times before April. Sounds great, guys. Thank you for having me. It's Matt Miller right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Fun stuff. Was surprised no Michael Mayer last night for the Mackey. Uh, no Marvin Harrison Jr. for the Blickenoff. Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. Took home that honor. Do you have to be a certain class? You don't, do you? Oh no, I think this. I I, I don't believe so. No, because that's mean, C- Caleb Williams, one player listen, of the year. So pe- people need to um hear this because a lot of people mention it. I've seen a ton of people that are like the Colts need to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. I've heard the same about Caleb Williams. Matter of fact, there was like some article somewhere nationally where it was like former GM says Caleb Williams will be the number one player taken in the draft. For the NFL draft, you are not eligible until three years removed from your high school graduating class. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams are not eligible for this year's NFL draft. It's not yep. to say they're not capable. <laughs> three years removed from high school. Got to be three years removed from high school. Uh, Did you see who won coach of the year? Uh, the college football coach of the year? Yes. I would think TCU. Sonny Dykes from yeah. TCU, who I think just got a extension um, earlier this week. I'm excited to watch TCU against Michigan. You know, there's always the one team in the college football playoff that gets kind of kicked around because people say that you know, well, they're the one that doesn't really belong. TCU this year has a really good resume. I don't think people thought that they didn't belong, but they're not in the upper crust of an Ohio State. And I mean, weren't they? Right, the, the, they were not ranked right preseason. Yeah, that that may be right. Yeah, um, and you know, it is fascinating. We talked about this this week, Kevin. That TCU gets in the college football playoff before Texas or before Texas A and M. Yeah, I mean. Good for them, right? The first time we've ever had two teams from a conference not named the SEC. The Big Ten sending two teams to the playoff this year. Uh, We had a winner yesterday in the pop quiz. Do you think we'll go two for two? Is your question five difficult, Jake? (laughs) I came up with a question five in case he didn't. Okay. I came up with a question five, but I think you like it, don't you, Mark? What was your question five? Oh, that Just one. right over Mark's head. I get it. I got it. I did it. Yeah, it's fine. Not a big fan of that answer, though. Nobody is. 
Maybe we'll go with six questions. Let's do a Baker's Dozen. How about we do that? Ah, how about that? Wow. For Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Or maybe in, well, that, or I was going to say to get Jake ready for his final next week. Now, are you going to throw a grad party? Are we invited when well, that happens? I'm, I'm expecting like one, a Billy Madison affair. I still have one affair. more semester. I still have to go to the spring. Well, whenever you graduate, I have, expecting. So here's the thing. When I went back, <laughs> they wanted to do it over a course of one year because for me to talk about it for one year. So everything was kind of spaced out in terms of spacing out the classes. So I, actually, I say one year. I only took one class in one of the summer sessions. But after this semester... I will have. I think it's. I think I have two classes, in starting in January, and then in May I'll be done. And I don't think that I'll do graduation. Hmm. I mean, I don't want to be like that guy in old school. Blue. Blue? Yeah. <laughs> so we need to start. We need to start planning the party for next May. Right before the five hundred. Yeah. Okay. But, Bigger queries. Well, we can just have it at, at the track. Here is the thing. Carb day celebration. That's right. Here's the thing. I deserve no accolades or congratulations because I should have finished it no, at the no, organic no, no. age when I was. You went back and finished where you started. Yeah, but that sh- is commendable. Extremely. Yeah, but I shouldn't. But but Kevin, you don't get credit for falling short of something. Life can give you a second chance. It's up to you to take it and run with it, and you've done okay. it. Okay. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, but I, but I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I probably should have just done it when I was when I was. Now, there. to be fair, we probably should talk a little. We probably should halt the chatter until the final happens next Tuesday. <laughs> I, just, I just I don't want to get that too is, far ahead of our. That time, is you know? also a totally valid point. If the Las Vegas Raiders have taught us anything this year, it's <laughs> leads don't mean a whole lot. Let's begin with that for our morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake comes in. Uh, You guys might want to not book any rooms or anything just yet for the uh, party. We're going to do one more semester. (laughs) What do you think led to Maddie's biggest audible gasp watching the game last night? Raiders-Rams. What do you think the moment was where Maddie just literally was like, what? The second Derek Carr interception? Uh, Devontae Adams' catch. Mark Davis's hair. Oh. <laughs> Tail as old as time. Yeah. That's Mark Davis right there. She didn't think it was real and had to be reassured. We, we, we went through a lot of pictures. To, it, it is. To confirm. It is bizarre. It's man. quite the sight to see, right? <laughs> and it's... It's a cut that he's stuck with for sure. At why mess with success? Life. That's right. You know, was it Ice Cube next to him last night? Yeah, Ice Cube was probably. What's with the bowl cut, man? It, it is bad. It's so, so bad. So good. It's like so a, a haircut a five year old gets. Right. Like one oh, of yeah. the first haircuts. Hundred yeah. percent. That's Kevin Bowen until like fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but last night, by the way, uh, what was the final in that game? Seventeen sixteen, right? That has been the score of the year. It seems like at the NFL. Uh, for the fourth time this season, the Raiders led by double digits at halftime, and they have lost all four of those games. That is a crippling blow to whatever fading playoff hopes they had. Baker Mayfield went 98 yards with no timeouts, about a minute 50 and change on the clock. Uh, game-winning touchdown to Van Jefferson. Uh, Fort Wayne's Ben Skoranek had a big final drive there. Went to Northwestern, finished at Notre Dame. He made some big catches in that game, so... Um, just kind of a wild finish last night. Pretty boring game, honestly, till the end. Yeah, it wasn't too great. Mark. Thanks there. 
Push is there. Hey, I want to give love to a couple of college programs that maybe we haven't given enough love to. First off, Indiana women up to third in the national rankings. They are 10-0. They won last night, right? And Yeah, and Katie Gerald's Purdue Boilermakers last night on the short end against Maryland, but they're 8-2 for the Lady Boilers. And Indiana Soccer College Cup tonight taking on Pittsburgh in the state of North Carolina. So we wish them the very best of luck it's in that as well. 30 kick, I believe, for them. Busy weekend for Indiana. They... We'll take on Arizona tomorrow. Men's basketball out in Vegas at a 7.30 tip. Number 10, uh, Arizona. Number 14, Indiana in that matchup. Purdue's got their first Big Ten road game of the year for Matt Painter's bunch. That's at Nebraska tomorrow. I think it's a 2.15 tip there. I mentioned this when Purdue got back from Portland. Felt like the December schedule set up for them to run the table, really. This is kind of the one. The first Big Ten road game of the year. We saw Nebraska beat Creighton. So what happened with IU at Rutgers. Um, so we'll see if Purdue can just kind of take care of business. In one of the few road games all year, you probably look at your schedule and say, we need to get that one. Have you been to uh, Portland? Yes. Senior year spring break, IU go, basketball. Did you go to Voodoo Donuts? Did. Mm-hmm. Did you get one of the Voodoo Doll Donuts? I indeed. <laughs> They're good, man. By is, the way. Isn't that like number like one, two, or three on the Portland yeah, it's that the big old the bookstore there, yeah. right? Uh, I was there of, for six nights. Speaking of donuts, by the way, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier this week, so I wanted to thank you to Jack's Donuts, who kindly contributed uh, a ton of donuts for children in Warren Township who had their breakfast with Santa. Um, some kids that might not get a chance to do that otherwise, and Jack's Donuts took care of them by making sure that all of them had plenty to eat and take home. So much Love appreciated. Uh, tonight over Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the Pacers back at home. First time in two weeks. Be them and the Wizards favored by four and a half in that one. No Bradley Beal for Washington. These two teams have split earlier meetings. Christophe Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma probably the leading guys for Washington tonight. That is a team that you just don't hear much about, right? Talking no, about the and again, it probably doesn't help when Johnny Davis has scored nine points all year. Benedict Matherin did that like in his first quarter. Uh, yesterday, Mike Babinski addressed the media in regards to the Purdue coaching vacancy, essentially said that Jeff Brom did a nice job of putting them in a position to be able to go out and cast a wide net to get the best coach possible. They also will have the funds, particularly due to the Big Ten, to be able to do that. On the other side of things, Jeff Brom was introduced as the head coach at the University of Louisville, and in doing so, did give some love to Boiler Up, his old bosses and his old school in West Lafayette. Before I begin, though, I do want to thank... Um you know, my former employee, uh, Purdue University, our athletic director, Mike Babinski, President Mitch Daniels, our board of trustees, uh, Mike Berghoff, our fans that were there, and our players for a wonderful six years. I'm very proud of what it, we all accomplished together. Purdue will always be my home away from home, but this is home. This is not a job to me. This has been a way of life for my family since I was born. While in my career, I have coached at many different places, some near, some far, but I never really left Louisville. My heart was always here. Can't blame the guy, man. You can tell he was home, a little home, bit emotional home. there as well. Home is home, man. Again, three coaches have left so far. Ron English, their co-defensive coordinator, uh, their running backs coach, wideouts coach, have joined Jeff Brom in Louisville December 21st. That's the start of the early signing period. I think an ideal world, and Mike Pavinsky said this yesterday, Jake, you'd love to have this wrapped up by the end of the weekend. That'd you got to nice, move right? quick. I, 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 I get it. You don't want to make a rash decision, but with the transfer portal 
And again, that early signing period, you don't want to have. In particular, you know, Jeff Brown is taking a job of a kind of a very similar school in the similar part of the country. How many Indianapolis recruits did he have committed to Boiler Nation? I think it was like six or yeah, seven. Yeah. You know he's going to try and get some of those guys to come down to Louisville. It did seem like based off social media, Devin Mockaby, though, feels good about Purdue and that direction. So I should be staying in West Lafayette. All right, pop quiz time is next. 317-239-1070. Again, a five for fiver yesterday. I do feel like today's pop quiz is a little bit more difficult. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, did, didn't one of those slip you kind of slip up on? You were you were maybe double checking my work Yeah, on? yeah, yeah. That's a good point. There is a trick question okay. in there. Yes. What am I seeing here, Mark? Horn frog? Horn frog Steve. Oh. Is that That's a name. Okay. okay. All right. We'll see if he gets on air next. Pop quiz next. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Would you rather have the cold for one week every month for the rest of your life or have Mark Davis's haircut? <laughs> Give me the cold, man. I, it's got to be part of his shtick now, right? Why would you want that part of your stick, though? <laughs> well, I mean, what's what? Because you're worth a billion dollars. Who yeah, cares? Yeah, but you look like a complete doofus. What's the stick, though? It's not like people are like, I want to join the Raiders because that guy's got a cool haircut. Nah, the real I mean, question is, would you rather? Would you like to be a billionaire with that haircut or have the cold for the rest of your life? Oh, I'd probably take the money. Yeah, I mean, man, you could wear one of those big walking hats. around with that though. Those seem to be the new thing, the the big hats. You gonna ask Santa for one of those? How do those stay on your head? What what are the, the big hats? So I, I, I assume it's just a normal size hat underneath the big hat, right? That's how it stays on your head? I'm guessing. It's like the old fake batting helmets when you were a kid that had like the little plastic thing on the inside that you adjusted. And then Did you guys ever wear those? The like the No, I'm you know the, Unfamiliar the, the baseball, the baseball batting helmets, the plastic batting helmets. They yeah. had the miniature size. Like they they, they, they put an ice cream dish yeah, over graders now. Correct. That's the miniature size, right? Then they had the big ones, but like they, it came with an adjustable plastic band on the inside of it, so you could put it on. You could wear it in your head, and they always had a sticker that said, "This is not an actual head protector." Oh device. yeah, I had one for the Reds. Now that you say that, and you're like, really? Yeah, I think I could have figured that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing had no support whatsoever. <laughs> None. None at all. All right, pop quiz time. Uh, whose question five did we go with, Mark's or Jake's? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Whichever one you want to do. Uh, love a little conviction here. <laughs> Let's go Jake's. Wait sure. a minute. Butler's playing Cal this weekend, and Cal is 0-10? Cal's 0-10, really? How are Louisville and Cal 0-10? How have you not scheduled, you know? That is amazing. Who, I mean, not like Cal's a basketball State. juggernaut, but still. Butler at Cal. Who's the best player to come out of Cal? Tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Well, probably Jalen Brown, right? I don't know. Am I totally forgetting somebody? Well, when Pete Newell was coaching there, they had to have had... Um, there's got to be somebody I'm missing, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm very recent, obviously, with my pick. But, but Jalen Brown is hard to argue. I, um, Sharif Abdul-Rahim was a really good player. Well, Jason Kidd. Oh, yeah. Yeah kid for sure mm-hmm. 
boy. 0-10. Cal. Nothing like making the trip to Berkeley to play the 0-10 Golden Bears. Um, okay. Pop Louisville quiz time. Versus, uh, versus them. That's the, Whoever winner gets, you know, some pride. That over-under should be lower than Army-Navy's yeah. over-under for tomorrow. Okay. Uh, number one through eight, Jake. Uh, we'll go to number six. Number six. Look at this. Horn Frog Steve. It is Horn Frog Steve? Yeah. This is Horn Frog Steve, and good morning to y'all. Steve, tell us more about the name. It's the TCU Horn Frogs that uh, Jake is so uh, in love with the campus, and we sure appreciate that love that he's shared. So, hey, so you did you that. go to TCU? I am a TCU alum from a class way back in the seventies. Let's go. That, let me let me ask you, Steve, real quick before we get to the pop quiz here, if you don't mind me, because TCU is an absolutely beautiful campus. It's in a nice part of Fort Worth. Um, obviously, I'm assuming that it's a private university. What is the like? What academic programs is it most known for? Like, if you live in Texas and you went to TCU, you are most likely in what line of business? Uh, Great question. There's actually a good variety there. They have a business school that rivals uh, the Kelly School of Business. They are known for getting a lot of folks into med school. One of the top ballet schools in the nation and uh, it's just a good all-around ac- academic university, but now you can see sports are coming, too. So, again, thanks for that love. Steve, so, I, I, I'm picturing the enrollment like... <laughs> that's a horn frog. Jeez, I thought it was Steve's alarm going the off in the background. Here. The People are pulling over their car, Gosh. Mark. Um, <laughs> it, like, size of Butler, a little bigger than Butler? What, what's, what are we looking at from an enrollment standpoint, Steve? TCU is right about ten, eleven thousand. Okay. Now, Steve, are you a Texas native who eventually migrated to Indiana, or are you an Indiana native who did, simply went to school at TCU? Um, I am a native here of Indianapolis. If we were playing your favorite game, I would say my school mascot is a cardinal from the South Side. Oh, so, I'm going to guess that Louis Dampier was one of your basketball heroes. Louis Dampier, but I also had was with the graduating class of Jim Crevax, who uh, was able to put the ball in the bucket quite a bit also. How about Robin Miller? Did you go to school with Robin Miller? Great guy. Yes, sir. The best, man. Steve, are you um, Fiesta Bowl bound coming up on New Year's Eve? You know, I'm privileged and proud to say that my son and I are going to make that trip. Uh, my father is a, a Purdue alum, and he got to go to the Rose Bowl way back in the 60s. And uh, so I'm going to be able to cross this off my bucket list and, That's and awesome. go, go, go to Phoenix. So, yay, Rob. Go, go Frog. Hey, man, go Horn cool. Frogs. We will root for fight, GC fight, for fight. you. Well, thank you. I'll, real quick, if I could wish Mark a belated happy birthday. Thank you, Steve. And good luck on your quiz next week. I'm sure that you're probably going to do better on that quiz. Than I do today. If I go zero for six, I want to <laughs> donate my uh, <laughs> donate my oil change. And uh, Kevin, I hope you enjoy the Christmas with the kids. It's there's no better time, in my opinion, than than Christmas with kids. So enjoy, Steve. I appreciate that. Uh, great news! It's Freebie Friday. The oil change is coming your way, no matter what. And if you hand out one more compliment, we might as well just hand you the quiz, <laughs> and you'll be set well, for life well, here. Let, yeah. me, let me try this then. If you're going to Vegas. I don't know why we talk about one or two or three days if you've got a day at the pool, 
a day at the casino, a day on the golf course, a day to recover, and then a day, another couple of days to do it all again. <laughs> you got you to be in Vegas for a week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I love it. Uh, I think you might go from Phoenix to Vegas, it sounds like, after TCU, in, in between the national title game, of course, uh, which I believe I is in L.A. Might have to go to Vegas to pick up my winnings because I've already got my money bet on the money line. So I love it. I love it. Go on, Frogs. All right, Steve, here we go with question number one. You ready? Uh, heck no, but let's go anyway. All right. One of the great traditions in all of sports is going to be happening tomorrow, Army and Navy. In what NFL stadium will the game be played? We will accept it if you simply know what NFL team plays in said stadium. Uh, let's go with... Uh over under 32 how's that wow he didn't know that uh what about what if i told you the stadium let's go with the commanders Ooh. okay how about another division how about another nfc east team uh then let's go with philadelphia you know it's funny i feel like they've rotated between those three each of the last three years commanders giants and Eagles. Um, I think you already know this one, Steve, based off what you just said. IU playing Arizona tomorrow, men's basketball. In what city will the game be played? Oh, my gosh. The uh, number one city of Vegas. Okay, Steve, question number three. Uh, this one, I want you to think for a split second about teams that have been mentioned previously mm-hmm. in this quiz, or at least in answers. The Colts and Texans tied in week number one. Two other teams tied last week in the National Football League. Can you name one of the two teams that got themselves a tie? Absolutely not. So let's go with... um, Let's see, can I phone a friend? Because my kid's real smart. Well, I'll tell you this. If you simply go with initial guesses from other questions in this quiz. Commanders. Okay. Look at that. Do you guys want to insert the question here, or are you guys saving your, the fifth question? I feel like this question's been hyped up a lot. Oh, I want all six of them today. Come oh, on. he wants all six. Okay, all right. <laughs> Number four. Who was the Rams' starting quarterback last night, Steve? Mr. I've got a neck problem. Um, he is on is it. it. Is it is it is it Wood Woodland or Woodford or? You know what? I had a little Woodford last night. You know, actually, what? if his name was Woodford and he wasn't a starter, he'd be a Woodford Reserve, right? I and the, Woodford Reserve with a great bottle. I was going to say, <laughs> Steve is all over it. All right, Steve, I think we should. Have, I think we need to hang out with Steve. All right, question number five for you, Steve. Which of the three members of this radio show had a birthday this week? <laughs> um. The man who's going to get the 12 o'clock time frame now, Mr. M-A-R-C. <laughs> How old uh, did I turn? 36 or 37. Wow. Man, wow, Steve. Steve loyal man. All right, we'll give you the bonus question just for blanks and giggles. Uh, Colts are on a bye week this week. Who do they play yeah, in their next only- game? They're two-point underdogs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Who's their next opponent? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, well, I'm. That's not the Chargers because I'm going to that game on the 26th. Uh, I'll probably take answer C of a multiple choice. 
doing pretty good. I don't know if I can give you a How about this? Choice. It's an NFC team currently in the playoffs. It's Leif Erickson's favorite team. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I got to go with the Chargers. That's the only one I'm playing. Oh, Steve. <laughs> Hope that's not an omen for your All the brilliance. <laughs> man. Steve pushed in one extra time at the table. Looked like the Raiders last <laughs> night until the final drive of the game. Oh. All right, let's see how Steve did. Uh, very well, unfortunately, until the end. Uh, Army Navy tomorrow. That will be played where, Jake? That is at Lincoln Financial Field, home oh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Ah, you is in, is indeed in Las Vegas. Yes! Uh, in fact, the other tie game between the Colts and Texans this year, the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. That is correct. I thought Steve might get tripped up on this one, but he was all over it. John Wolford, neck Loud injury, and played a series. Baker Mayfield took over from there. Uh, and then Mark Dykton, in fact, did turn 37 this week. What day was that, Mark? See, I was on uh, Wednesday. Was <laughs> Wednesday, yeah. Okay. And Mark, you snuck one in there at the end for Steve. He wanted the sixth one. He did. Those damn pesky Colts that cost him. Yeah, the sixth question, unfortunately, tripped him up, although I loved his line that they're two-point underdogs against bye. Um, the Colts, really in fact, coming off of the bye, will be playing Leif Erickson's favorite team, which is the Vikings of Minnesota. Vikings. Steve, stand the line, man. Go Horn Frogs. Mark, you got to give Steve a little TCU fight song right here. This is, you know what's this here? TCU fight song really? right here. This is a good fight song. This is. That's a cool fight song. Fight, fight, TCU, horn, frogs, horn, frogs, <laughs> F-R-O-G-S. Can we get a horn frog sound to go with that, Mark? Yeah, <laughs> Gosh. Sounds like my son when he had RSV earlier this week. Gosh. Wounded little animal there. Um, do you think TCU? We're gonna hear that a lot, Jake, at their bowl game. Oh yeah. Well, I haven't seen enough of TCU this year. I mean, have you watched much of them? Let's be honest. I've watched like a, they've been in a ton of good games late. I've watched them late, and they're I mean they're super exciting. They well, that I mean hell that win they had. Who was it they beat? And the Duggan kid is Baylor, right? Pretty fun to watch there. So I think they can definitely cover the spread and make it entertaining. It's right around 10, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Listen, if Ohio State beats Georgia, then Michigan better hope TCU beats them because if Michigan takes on Ohio State in the national title, yeah, you are all over this. Ohio State will blow them off the field. Okay. They awoke the sleeping giant by planting that flag, I'm telling you. Ohio State is, you, you, you're telling you, you just you don't want them hanging around. You just don't. All right, we'll do one final time here, Kevin Quarry. We have had a lot of great callers on this program and continue to do so, but Steve moved his way very high towards the About him. What a good dude. <laughs> for sure. I find myself now rooting even more for TCU. Absolutely. Come New Year's Eve. I've got Navy 13-10 tomorrow afternoon over Army. I, what are the records of the two schools, do you know? So 4-7 and seven for Navy. Army's got a win to go to a bowl game. Four and seven versus five and six. If I'm not mistaken, Navy's kind of owned the series lately, right? I think that's right. I think Army has won somewhat recently, but yes. I'll go Army 19-10. 
I'll never forget one year the over-under started at like 40. And just watching it, it was one of those snow games. And it was, you know, 0-0 zero, zero into like the third quarter. Just watching the over-under drop and these two teams just third and two <laughs> stuff, fourth and one stuff. You know, the punter's not even being used. I mean, it is a great atmosphere. And right? I legitimately, yes, I mean, the atmosphere, the ambiance, all of it, the pageantry, it's second to none. But, Jake, I love watching the triple option. Yeah. It's mesmerizing when it's run well, right? Beautiful. And unless it's run down Notre Dame's throat, which it has been before. I think we're going to have two heavyweights slugging it out offensively. So I've got Navy 17, Army 13. So I'm the only one picking Army, right? Sounds like it. 19. Yeah, you're the only one on the over, right? <laughs> no, I've got 29 total points. That over is 32 and a half. Yeah, 32 so and a half. Right. Um, it, it it does always make me laugh though when people talk about and this time of year is when the conversations start or you know like around Thanksgiving, you know the greatest rivalries in college football and everybody talks about you know Texas Oklahoma Ohio State Michigan, and I'm like it's Army Navy I, yeah there's just not there is no it's Army Navy it's a rivalry for the whole country like it's Army Navy, and then you know the beauty, beauty of, of it, it is they're on the same page that's exactly right, right afterwards yeah it's exactly right, I mean. You know, when it comes down to it, you want them on the same team, obviously. And we're happy they're on the same team. Any NFL picks you guys like for this weekend? If Trevor Lawrence plays, I think Jacksonville can give fits to Tennessee. It's a four-point line. Tennessee favored by four. I mean, that does seem like... It seems hard to... They must think... Because you would think that Tennessee would be more of a favorite than that. So they must kind of agree with me that those are two teams maybe... Trending in the raw in opposite directions, but are we taking um, the Vikings at the Lions? The Vikings are a one and a half point underdog. Lions, five Lions, and seven Lions. Lions are going to stun the world. Well, they're favored. <laughs> are they really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that does okay. That surprises me. I they're favored. That surprises me. Here's one. How about? The Texans plus I, seventeen I and a half. That. That's got to be one of the biggest spreads the NFL seen I'm, in years. For this, I I can't imagine. You just have to take the seventeen and yeah, a half. Yeah, I'm don't taking you? the seventeen and a half in the Texans. Anytime an NFL outs- game is outrageous. that big, you've got to take the dog, right? Yeah. Is Lamar Jackson officially out? Or you know, it all sounds I, like I that. I wouldn't touch that game with a ten foot pole. I wouldn't touch S- that game with your money, Kevin. Steal it. What? Oh, Jeez, Mark. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to take that birthday present right back. <laughs> shove all these cookies in my mouth. Uh, Steelers favored by two in that one at home against the Ravens. Hey, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's going to keep Mike Tomlin's streak alive, right, of seasons at 500? Yeah, they got to get on a run, don't they? Are they four? Are they? I think they have five now. Five and seven? Well, yeah, I guess they're flirting with it. What about the Chargers getting three and a half at home against the Dolphins? That's it. I mean, the Chargers. Uh, is there any bigger Jekyll and Hyde than the They're Chargers? Week to week team. I, yeah, I take Miami in that. Did Miami gotta, go back home after playing at, at San Francisco? Reliable, right? It's a lot of travel if they went back home for that one. Chargers are so banged up at wide receiver too. Jake, have fun tonight at the Fuel game. Will do. Fuel tonight again. Reminder, everybody, uh, get a heart scan. <laughs> Community Health Network. Thank you for having me out. Mark, safe travels. Thank you. And uh, we'll see if. The upset of the century will happen tomorrow, and Rosie will sit on Santa's lap. <laughs> we'll look forward to the screaming photos. Yeah, I'm sure you, you'll, you'll probably hear it, Mark, where uh, where you're at. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.